Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon, or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Welcome to the 42 cast, the ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. This podcast is basically an excuse for my friends and I to get around and talk about various geeky topics that we're interested in. And one of the things that we're fairly passionate about are the various comic book related TV shows out there. And so tonight we're going to be talking about Gotham, which has entered into its third season. But before that, let's introduce the two new guests that we're going to have on the show today. And first up is a gentleman that works on the uh, ESO Broadcasting Network on both the Earth Station One podcast and Earth Station Who, and that is Mr. Michael Gordon. Hello, Mike. Howdy. I am very pleased. Thanks for the invite. I am uh, very excited to be on the show. And we're glad to have you. Um, Since it's your first time on, uh, I did, you know, uh, sort of intro you with, uh, you know, that you work on ESO and ESW, but why don't you just say a little bit about yourself? Um, Well, uh, yes, I am the uh, co-host of uh, the Earth Station One podcast, as well as uh, one of the hosts of the Earth Station Who podcast. I've done a lot of other podcasting, uh, mostly on the network and some off the network as well. Uh, I love talking, so that's not a problem. And uh, and also, uh, when I'm not talking, I do lots of writing. Um, so uh, I, I have a, a, a self-publishing uh, franchise that I kind of try to maintain um, uh, with books and whatnot. So I think my, um, my my claim to fame so far has been the the comic Tiki Zombie, and uh, that's a lot of fun. I'm a big comic guy as well. Uh, so uh, when you're talking about comic TV shows, live action TV shows, that's really in my wheelhouse, especially when it comes to Batman related things i've been a batman fan for as long as i can remember so awesome uh if you could sum up tiki zombie in just a few sentences for somebody what what is tiki zombie uh tiki zombie is a it's a fun book it's a uh book about a undead bartender lounge owner that uh has a series of misadventures uh with his crew uh kind of like um in a very um and uh, it's very cartoony very humorous tongue-in-cheek uh really plays off a lot of the uh um tiki um sort of um 
pop culture uh, sort of things. Uh, it's more it's more tiki than zombie, but there is some elements of uh, some supernatural elements to it as well. So it's a, it's a fun little project that uh, I write and and publish, and uh, a local artist here in the Atlanta area, Peter Cutler, does the art for. And uh, we've had a lot of fun. We've done uh, we're working on the fourth issue now. So and we've done a CD as well with music that kind of goes along with it as well. So it's uh it's kind of morphing into some really cool things. Oh, awesome! Is that available on Comixology, or is it something that you have to get in print? You have to get it in print right now, and it's only available through myself or uh, my website. So if you go to newlegendmike.com, you can uh, find out more information about it and uh, pick up a copy. Okay, cool. Yeah, and we'll uh, put a link to that on the uh, website. Awesome, thank you. You're welcome. And next up is also a man by the name of Mike. <laughs> and this Yay. is somebody that I I just kind of randomly met through friends of friends on Facebook and then discovered that he's a good friend of uh, my wife's maid of honor from when we got married, which was just really weird because I had no idea we were <laughs> actually that close to each other because that wasn't right? the route I met him through on Facebook. So <laughs> that is... Uh, and this... I connected them. Right, connected that's right. Them. Yeah, because we had lost touch, so... So that was really, really cool. But uh, it's Mr. Mike Nelson, which is not the guy from Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> it's okay. I'm either that guy or I'm Jeffrey Wright from The Hunger Games or Westworld. You know, you do look a lot like Beatty from The Hunger Games. Yes, I, I noticed that when I first met you. I had that poster as my profile picture on Facebook and it confused my mother. <laughs> She's like, I don't remember that costume, Michael. And I'm like, Mom, that's not me. That's Jeffrey Wright. <laughs> So how are you doing, Mike? I am good. I'm good. Thank you for the invite as well, because I was not expecting to really watch Gotham. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll get to that uh, a little bit later on, because you and I had some opinions early on in Gotham's run that have sort of morphed over time. Yes. But uh, why don't you say a little something about yourself as well? Uh, well, I'm known on the interwebs as Trexlight. Uh, I'm a YouTuber, streamer, and podcaster. Uh, normally playing DC Universe Online, one of their nor- one of their number one uh, YouTubers and uh, streamers. Uh, and I also um, one of the one of the five co-hosts of the local Columbia, South Carolina podcasters called Nerds of the Apocalypse. And I'm also basically like the director and producer for all of our shenanigans there. I I don't sleep. (laughs) Yeah, none of us do. (laughs) But yes, if uh, if anyone is uh, listening to this, who uh, this is one of their first podcasts, it it tends to be a very incestuous kind of club that we all like, kind of have each other on each other's shows. (laughs) Yeah. It gets kind of funny that way, but good to have you on, Mike. It's good to see. It's good to hear you. It's been. It has been a while. Yes. Yeah, that's true. So next up is the five questions segment, and this is something that I like to do every episode uh, to just sort of give people a little bit of a feel for where our guests stand on certain topics in the geekosphere. So what it is is I have a list of about 100 questions. I have a random number generator spit out five of them. And 
it's Thanks, just a, RNG. Jesus. Right. It's just a <laughs> wow. It's, it's just a fun way to kind of loosen everybody up, talk about you know some things you know kind of randomly, and you know like I say, uh, give the audience just a little bit of an insight into where you stand on some things. So so far it's worked out pretty well. So I'm gonna start uh, with the first question, and um, let's answer uh, Michael Gordon and then Mike Nelson. No pressure. <laughs> All right, so you want to play a video game? Do you go to a PC or a console? Uh, I go to a uh, PC. I've uh, I haven't had a console since um, the Atari. Oh wow! Okay. Wow. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> and I haven't really gamed much uh, on the PC in a long time either. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was a I was a hardcore gamer from the PC for some of the early 2000s. So I'll say that. Oh, okay. Yep. I do remember the Atari. In fact, I have one in my basement. So you know. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Still it works. I just have to get. I have the connector for it. I just don't have it connected. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. Awesome. Um. <laughs> We'll be talking about the Atari at some point in the future of the show. But anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, Mike Yeah, Nelson. I think we've got an anniversary next year, so right. that's going to be pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, I actually have all uh, all the current-gen consoles and the PC, but I prefer my PC. Uh, hashtag PC Master Race. Okay. So why, why do you go PC instead of with a console? It's... You know, I really wasn't this way either. It was not until I started building my own computers... Yeah, I also blame World of Warcraft. 2005, World of Warcraft wrecked me. Okay. Just I started playing that, and I threw away every console I owned, and just it, for me, it was just so much cheaper playing $15 a month to play a game. I had hours and hours of fun instead of paying 60 bucks for like a 16 16 hour game. So financially wise, it was smart for me. But ever since then, I've been straight PC. I have the consoles as backups. Mm -hmm. I also have gamer ADD, so it's like <laughs> I I switch so many times. Uh huh. Unfinished games galore. Yeah, see, what you just said about, you know, spending just a few dollars for, for endless fun is kind of how I feel when people are always like, why don't you have all the consoles and blah, 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 and I'm like, because my retro games that I play, they're usually really cheap, and I can play them for hours, and so, yeah, it's just more efficient that way. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so next question. Better puppet show, The Muppets or Fraggle Rock? Muppets. I've always been a Muppets guy. Um, I I was born only a year or so before Sesame Street started, and uh, I, I can't imagine a world without them. And uh, I, I really liked uh, the, the last Muppet series that uh, was on the air this year, I think. It was, yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> And uh, um, I, uh, you know, I, I, I will, and I, and we have, uh, we're lucky enough in Atlanta to have the um, Center for Puppetry Arts with a beautiful uh, Muppet uh, Henson wing now that they have a whole area devoted to Henson's uh, creations, and it's just, I, I, I love the Muppets. Awesome. It is definitely, definitely the Muppets. I, I, I really like them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I own all the Muppets from back in the day when uh, they had all the special guests. I watch it at least maybe once every couple of months. <laughs> Just nice big binge. And then ABC, I shake my fist at you. Bring them back. I don't care. It, I, don't, I didn't like The Office, English or American, but I at least loved it when it had Muppets on it. Yeah, no, that was the same way I kind of felt about it. And, and, and I thought like the first few episodes, they struggled a little bit. But once that show hit its stride, it was hilarious. It's and I lot. hated seeing it go. Kids these days. <laughs> These yeah. don't know. Yeah, that's that's probably part of it, actually. 
<laughs> Muppets, that's some old thing. I don't know. I got to believe, though, that they're still... I mean, kids are still watching Sesame Street, right? So, I mean, they're still being indoctrinated into Muppet culture for the young age, right? Well, yeah and no. There's so many more choices now that Sesame Street isn't as big as it used to be. And it's gotcha. also it also uses a lot of CG. So the actual oh. classic Muppetry of it is a lot less. Gotcha. I must admit, I have not watched uh, Sesame Street recently. Um, <laughs> not in a long time. Not since it well, went on HBO. HBO. Not, it went to HBO and got all like weird and nudie and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. <laughs> isn't, that what, isn't that what happens when things go to HBO? They... <laughs> They get all Actually, violent, Red uh, Wedding, and duty and all that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's rated R Sesame Street now. <laughs> so I well, tell me you wouldn't want to see a Muppet version of the Red Wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I saw the Lego version of when Negan killed people during the opening of season nine. I saw the Lego version. Never saw the real one. Saw the Lego. I'm like, I couldn't even handle the Lego. I don't want to see the real. <laughs> I'm just imagining stuffing flying everywhere. It's the, the sheer gore. Exactly. <laughs> oh, Hinson Company, please do this. I need to. Oh, well, they just came out with an episode of a new episode of Pigs in Space. Have you seen that? That's awesome. What? Oh, no, I haven't seen it. You both have to watch it. It's brand new, and uh, it's a take. Uh, I don't know if I should spoil it, but it's a takeoff on a very classic sci-fi movie. Yay! Okay. And it's awesome. <laughs> All right, no, I'll definitely check that out. Okay, better laser game, laser tag or photon? I, you know what? I've never played either one, but I've heard so. Like to me, growing up, it was always laser tag. So um, I'm not even familiar with the other one. So I'll go with laser okay. tag. I'm gonna have to go with laser tag as well. I, I'm drawing a blank on photon. Okay. Well, yeah, it was one of those things where uh, they both. Exa- I mean, photon actually came first, but laser tag was had better marketing, I think, because that's the one that most people knew. But they were. Based Basically the same game. Um, Photon was the Betamax of laser play. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, but Photon had a live-action TV show that went along with it, whereas Laser Tag much later had an animated show. And uh, I only I, I only really know about Photon because of the TV show, and then learning that no, this was something you could buy and you could have the things, and, and you know, it was basically Laser Tag. So anyway. <laughs> I'm probably going to take this question off the list because nobody remembers Photon. (laughs) (laughs) But I did dig up the intro to the series on YouTube uh, last time, so anyway. (laughs) All right, next question. Best Harrison Ford role, Indiana Jones or Han Solo? Oh, man. (laughs) Jesus, are you trying to start a Christina fight right now? Holy crap! Oh, wow. That is tough. Um, and you know what? I probably would have said almost I would have been leaning towards Indiana Jones uh, mm-hmm. if it hadn't been for A, the last Indiana Jones movie, and B, <laughs> the at Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Force Awakens uh, renewed my love for Han Solo. And, oh, man, he's so good in both. And I love him as Deckard, too. So that's like a three. Like, if you had added that one on there, that's mm-hmm. like the triple like role for me um, as far as his career goes. But, look, Raiders of the Lost Ark is, is my film. Like, that is, I mean, I don't claim ownership to it or anything, but it's as far as my go-to film, it, it, it's it's there. So I, I'm going to I'm gonna say Raiders. I'm going to say Indiana Jones. Okay. Can't you use the, uh, his character as a president from Clear and Present 
stranger. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is when I made these binary choices. You have to choose one or the other. There's no third option. I, I, I'm going to go for Indiana Jones just because the Han Solo character was kind of two-dimensional to me. <gasps> At least, I'm sorry, I am not the Star Wars fan. I am. I bought tickets to go see Rogue One tomorrow to go see it with my with my entire thirty odd people group, and I just told them tonight I can't, I'm not going. I don't feel like going. Use my ticket, buy popcorn, whatever. I have no interest in seeing Rogue One. I just don't. And so, and so I just go with Indy is Harrison Ford for me. I I just I love the archaeology and I love the history behind it that he that even the show the movies kind of bring. And I really like. I just really like Indy. I really like it. <laughs> Well, you unintentionally just dug your own hole with the internet there, going into your whole I hate Star Wars field, but okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he went there. And long space opera. <laughs> All right, no, that's that's cool. I, I, I myself am a Han Solo fan. I, uh, But then again, I am huge into Star Wars. That is one of my three primary fandoms. It's a tough call for me. I mean, it's not a it's not a huge space bar jump down to Han Solo. So uh, I, I would, uh, uh, you know, but but Indiana, because, you know, that the, the character of Indiana Jones, too, has been kind of inconsistent throughout his mm. franchise as well. So that's it depends on which Indiana Jones you're talking about. Like if you're talking about from Raiders or the one from Temple of Doom or the one, you know, because they're a little bit different in, in some areas. But overall, uh, you know, the guy from Raiders, man, that's whew, that's the guy. Okay. Yeah, no, that's a good movie. All right. Last question. Who wore Kirk better, Shatner or Pine? <laughs> Shatner, that's not even... <laughs> I don't even know why that's a question. Uh, I know people who like, will pick Pine, that's why. Well, that's uh, that's their prerogative, but damn. Uh, I mean, yeah, Shat- Shatner uh, all the way. Now, in no, not even, no, no question for me. Okay. <laughs> now, in retrospect, Pine is technically supposed to be mine because of my generation. I mean, I grew up watching Shatner just because I actually had a cool uncle mm-hmm. and reruns, thankfully. Uh, but technically, Pine in this generation a shiny brand new Star Trek but I mean I would choose Shatner he the pe- most people my age will not really get Shatner and that's okay Shatner is kind of like his, his own special star and you have to go with the quirks of how the acting was in that time and Shatner by far outweighs Sean Pine there's I love it I love Shatner well yeah I mean because the whole elite before you look kind of character has done so much and, and Pine just kind of feels generic to me in that sense of you know he's, yeah. just, he's this guy that's just kind of like oh I'll just run into danger and you know whatever and I, I don't think about anything you know and although I will say in the latest movie I think he tried I think they they there was a conscious effort both in the writing and in his acting to become more mature and yes. I, I appreciated that very much because and to so... make the character more like Shatner's right, I think exactly. I mean that's I mean I mean what Pines do it I mean because Kirk I mean you know Shatner originated the role you know and it's it's uh, it's you know you can't you cannot play Kirk without some sort of Shatner influence. Right. Whereas Shatner didn't have anything to go on except for himself when he first got the role, you know, so. I, I definitely agree. So that is the end of five questions. You both made it out on the other end. All right. Yay. If anybody You're still cares up. about our opinions after this. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> there may be some flame wars after this episode comes <laughs> up. You yeah, may find stalkers it, yeah. on your Facebook. 
Yeah. All right. I look forward to your death threat. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, we're going to uh, jump into Gotham in a minute. But first, we're going to play a promo for another fine podcast. Hi, this is Siri. I would never, never, ever listen to the Earth Station One podcast. Who the heck says howdy anyway? Why don't you listen to Chris Hardwick instead? I can get you his information. The Nerdist is everywhere anyway. Ha ha. That was a joke. The Earth Station One podcast. It's time to let your inner geek out to play. You can find them at www.earthstation1.com or up on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Peace. And we're done. And we're back. And now it's time to talk about Gotham Season 3. And since uh, Mike Nelson teed up on it a little bit earlier, I <laughs> thought that I would let him speak just a little bit about what, what have been your thoughts on the series kind of as a whole getting to this point, Mike. <laughs> so I remember we did a podcast for the end of Season 1. Mm-hmm. And... You, you and I, and, and uh, the whole cast was basically like, we're kind of done. Right. We're, we're like, go, you got, you got the season two. Like, we're, but well, we're not coming back. We're, we're not. You trugged along though. You trugged along. Yeah. Me and Christina. No, we were like, we're. I don't want to touch this. It's, it's, it's not even in my realm of spectrum. But then, so season one was. I can't even remember it. I blocked it out of my mind because it was just so much of a drag because I was really mad because it was a police procedural on Fox with a thir- like a 12-year-old Batman. Mm. Just bleh. Thank you, Sean Purdy, though. I mean, th- like, thanks for being there. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Sean Purdy, especially when he whips out his father's Venusian Aikido, uh, my heart just kind of <laughs> stops every oh time he does that because I'm just like... <gasps> It's because it's like watching John Pertwee. I mean, the man is, other than the hair, the resemblance is insane. Yeah. And the voice is pretty much the same voice, too. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's got a lot of the same tones that his father had, and and yeah, and and he's like the most awesome dad that isn't a dad ever. <laughs> <laughs> so and so, I, and I also skipped season. I skipped season two, but then it was season three, and I think I saw Nathan's post as season two was wrapping up how good it was, and season three was getting was trugging along, and then it finally came on Netflix. I'm like, all right, fine, fine, I will do this. Let's just go into season two. See, I was I was blown away. <laughs> season two was such a 180. And so I tell all my friends, don't watch season one. But what about the character? And like, no, you don't need care. No, just watch season two. You'll get introduced by everybody. You're fine. You don't, you're not missing a thing in season one. Yeah, it's weird. It's almost like every season is a soft reboot. Because even season three is a little different than season two. And it's like they tried to reset the characters in a lot of ways. But it's it's in continuity. But it's kind of like they're just trying to rejuggle everything. Yeah. So, uh, Mike Gordon, uh, how have you felt about the series as a whole up until this point? Well, um, first of all, when it was first announced and, uh, you know, as I heard bits and pieces here and there about it, I was skeptical to say the least. Um, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of prequel stories, prequel movies, prequel shows. So the idea of them making a prequel show about Batman just was like, OK, I'm not really sure how this is going to work. Now, as I said, I'm a big fan of the comics and that's that includes all the Batman spinoffs. There's a wonderful comic 
series called Gotham Central, which has a procedural. Uh, and I do like police procedural as a whole. I'm a big Law & Order fan. So the idea of a police procedural taking place in Gotham was appealing to me. So that was something that I thought, okay, well, this is kind of, this is going to be kind of cool. And I was, but, you know, it's very early on. Now, the first season, obviously, they are they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's pretty obvious. They're trying to, they're just throwing things at the wall, trying to see what sticks. And then by by the second season, they, it looks like they just went into the writers' room and went, "You know what? F this. Let's just do whatever." <laughs> like this show is the craziest show on TV. Like, yeah, it's got the craziest characters. You never know what's going to happen. It is even you know if you know the characters from the comics or from movies or from you know the old Batman TV show or the animated series. How whatever your experiences with these characters, leave it at the door because if you are a purist when it comes to that stuff, you will not last five minutes on this show. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's definite uh, there's definite ties, obviously, but it is it's insane. And I've gotten to the point now where season three is that I it slowly became a show that I just could not wait to watch. Like it would be in my DVR and I'd have to watch it that night, which is kind of tough because I also really like Supergirl. So now with two uh, great shows being on DC, like that are DC related on Mondays, my time is like limited on Mondays. So I got to decide like which one am I going to watch and and try to I usually try to squeeze both of them because they're both so enjoyable for different, entirely different reasons. But this show, this show is insane. And it's in the third season is yes, they they're just crazy. And I love it. I just love it. The characters and the acting is and the everything about it is just so fun. Yeah, it's funny because you bring up the fact that Supergirl and Gotham are not only on the same night, they're at the same time slot. And it still kind of surprises yeah. me that DC <laughs> hasn't tried to put any pressure on, you know, on, on one or both shows to kind of you know guys move move things around so that you're not against each other but i guess they figure you know most people have dvrs now speaking of the as the old man on the show um you know when when there was a thing as such as you know prime time and the family hour or whatever there's no way gotham would have been allowed to be on eight o'clock oh you know that gotham is a gotham is a 10 p.m show it's almost a cable show yeah (laughs) almost it it almost goes there but it's 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 so wild and it's so fun and and you know i think a lot of people thought you know why give it a chance because it's on fox it's probably not going to last long um and after that rough first season i'm very surprised it got a second season and a third and it's just chugging along yeah i mean the thing with that first season is i thought it showed promise in its first half of that first season there were enough good episodes that i was like okay okay, this is pretty good. But then that second half where it seemed like they didn't know then what to do with everything they'd set up in the first half, then it all just kind of fell apart for me. I mean, the fact that Penguin became the big crime boss in the city through the errors of others rather than because of his own intelligence and planning, you know, where basically everybody else just kind of killed each other and he was the last one left standing. And it was just kind of like, right. that's not really the, you know, the, the fitting ending you wanted from that when he was so clever in the first half of the season and Barbara became so painful to watch. even though they kept focusing on her and the hilarious thing is now in the third season because even in the second season even though I felt the show improved mostly I felt like Barbara was still this sort of annoying millstone around their neck but then suddenly in the third season it's like they figured out what to do with Barbara 
this whole no, thing they just of, made her insane right yeah <laughs> this whole thing just having her let her be just out and insane and have her be this scheming uh person at this bar that all the villains frequent and you know it's kind of almost the role penguin had at the very very beginning i'm pretty sure they just did that with everybody like they looked at all the characters that they had and they're like you know what let's just push them to insanity <laughs> it's true and, and it's really true what you said also about it's weird because somehow over the course of their show because most shows i'm very more movies i very much want it to be you know i get that the storyline will never be exactly like the source material but i want it to at least the characters my, my thing is always i want the characters to feel like the same character even though the situations might be different in gotham it's gotten to a point where i've just given up on everything and i'm just like you know what <laughs> We can have 12-year-old Bruce Wayne meeting all the villains who are going to be collecting social security by the time he's an adult. It's fine, you know. <laughs> exactly. <I'm, laughs> all these different versions and, you know, the Riddler and Penguin and everything else, they can all be whoever, you know, they want them to be because it's it's just Gotham. It's not Batman. <laughs> We're we're gonna uh, we're gonna suddenly age Poison Ivy by ten years. No, right. that's gonna be fun. <laughs> that's can't that's even the, explain that'll, it. That'll, we don't. Yeah, you don't even need to. I mean, they did, right. but they didn't really like. It was just like, okay, yeah, good. Yep. All right. So you know, we've had some changes uh, this season, but uh, let's start with. Uh, one of the established characters. It's kind of a change because she came back at the end of last year. How do you guys feel about Fish coming back? It, it was interesting, to say the least, because I actually forgot that Jada Pinkett Smith was coming back for that role. And when I saw her, my jaw dropped. I'm like, hey, what? She, hey, what are you doing here? And then she <laughs> has now powers. And that kind of threw me a little bit. Like, well, you know, you're a a character just for the show you have no mythology to begin with yeah let's just do whatever you want let's give jada powers do it so it i am i want to see more fish because she was one of the saving graces i really liked from this first season and and even through the second but i really i really like fish i i want to see more interaction with her yeah, one of the things that I've kind of been curious about is because, is, is that, you know, they brought her back. They have her and Hugo Strange off somewhere now. We don't know where. But I wonder if there's an actual plan there, or if it's just kind of like, hey, we got her for a little while, we used her, and now she wants to do other things, so we just kind of wrote her out again. Because <laughs> that would feel really disappointing, because it seemed like it was going to go somewhere. She'll just come back randomly, like, hey, remember me? Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, Mike Gordon, uh, how do you feel about Fish? I really want to see Fish come back, and hopefully it's not much of breaking the bank of their payroll to have Jada Pinkett <laughs> over there. Right. Yeah, I don't know if she's holding him over a barrel. Like, well, hey, you having know? Fish go off against uh, her and uh, Penguin again would be really nice. I want to see them go at one once again with no roofs. Well, her husband's getting dead shot money, so they don't need any more. Like, she, they shouldn't Jay. really have. <laughs> they shouldn't. They shouldn't really need need a huge. Uh, check from DC already, you know. But uh, I, you know, I will tell you what. I did not like Fish in the first season. She was like the worst. Like every time she appeared, it bugged the crap out of me. Um, not as much as Barbara, but mm. probably a close second. And I think looking back on it now, here was the problem because the show hadn't really figured itself out yet, and and Jada was playing it at like 
she was like, oh, I'm a, I'm on the 60s show, right? So she's right. playing it at this Eartha Kit level. <laughs> and everybody else is kind of like, we're not really sure if we're going to go there yet. We're not. We're going to be kind of more reserved. We'll play these characters a little bit more conservative and flat. And she's just way, like, she's turned it up to 12. And everybody else is dialed in around 6 or 7. <laughs> and it just was way out. Of, now, everybody's at 15, right? <laughs> So, so she, so she seems like she's just normal now. Like she's got powers and she's great. And but to be honest, she's not my favorite character. And a lot of, like that storyline with her and uh, being captured and uh, going against the. It wasn't Doctor Strange then. It was. Uh, it wasn't Hugo Strange. It was another mad oh, Doctor oh, Doctor. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I didn't care. I didn't care for yes. I didn't care for that storyline at all. <laughs> and uh, but I will say I'm much more interested in the fact that Strange is with her because damn, I miss Hugo. Like <laughs> he was so good last season. We got a little bit of him this season and nothing. And I'm like, oh, please bring back B.D. Wong because he was so good. Yeah, talk about playing it at 15. I mean, there's a guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He's like, yeah. I will be the most watchable thing in every scene that I'm in. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I feel bad because, you know, they, you know, obviously his assistant's not around and they had such great rapport that, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you know, I guess all bets are off. It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, they made some excuse like, yep, she's around. Like, okay, well, she just, he just brought her back to life because apparently he can do that now. Yeah, I mean, they're bringing back Jerome later so well, he did it know. with uh well i mean yeah there's a precedent i mean right. he brought back gallivant right so now you know the rules say you know that say that he could do that with anybody now right but i'm not a big jerome fan either so uh we'll see what that's like when when the show comes back yeah with um with fish it's just a little too close to me with the jerome thing yeah and i don't know if we're gonna get into him later but it's just a little too close to the mark as far as uh that early joker thing and i just i just think the show should just keep going in other directions yeah no i i, I do want to talk about jerome but uh i was just gonna say really quickly with fish the one thing that i really liked even though it seems like it was kind of a jump for her character but again they're kind of playing fast and loose with the other seasons it's like hey this is what we're doing now it was ooh, her confrontation with penguin Oh, where, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's ready to kill her because of how she humiliated him, you know, uh, and, uh, and she's basically like, I'm proud of you. You know, almost this whole thing, like, she views him as, like, her son because of what he's been able to make himself, uh, you know, and and his inability then to kill her. I loved that scene. I thought it was perfect. And if for, I, I would like her back, because uh, I agree with you, in the first season... I didn't really see much of a point with Fish other than to be a foil for Penguin's rise to power. Um, you know, the whole Dolmacher thing, like, never went anywhere. It was just a way to sideline her. Yes, yes, that's what I felt, too. But, but how she might segue into what's going on now with Penguin, I think, would, could possibly be very interesting. And so I, I, would, uh, I, I would like to see her back just for that. Penguin, uh, we'll talk about him, I'm sure, but Penguin's going to need some allies pretty soon. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, but since we talked a little bit about Jerome, I'll, I'll just start off with saying I did not like Jerome when they first brought him in, even though, like I say, you know, the show is different and, you know, I, I should just ignore continuity. The one thing I thought that was really lame was that he was from the same circus as the Graysons. 
Mm. And I felt like that was a little too incestuous with the mythology <laughs> uh, to say like, oh, the Joker comes from, you know, the Grayson, the same circus the Graysons were in. But then they surprised me by killing him off early in the second season. And I said, oh, okay, this is genius. Because how they set it up was that, you know, how the way they made it seem is that he wasn't the Joker. He was someone that might have inspired because they showed all the people watching him on TV and laughing along with him. And he and the Joker could have been any one of those other people who saw him, and so he might have inspired the man who later became the Joker. And I said, okay, that that works for me because then we still don't know who the Joker is, and it's, it's just sort of like Jerome sort of like opened the crazy in Gotham. But now they're talking about bringing him back, which makes it sound like they want to make it definite that Jerome is the guy who becomes the Joker, or he might become Joker in Gotham. And that, I am not, I am not a fan of that. I, I, I have no reason why. I can't tell you why, but, and maybe it's just because of my history with the character, but uh, as far as the other uh, villains and characters of Gotham and Batman history that they've played around with, I've had very little problem with. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe some tweaks here and there, but for some reason, uh, the Joker I feel really defensive about and really possessive about in the sense that I really like the, I, I really want him, and this goes into the comics too, I, I and the movies, I want him to have no origin. I want him to be a mystery as to how he's created. I want him to just be a force that comes out of nowhere. I want him to, to it always be a question. Sure. Like he might tell somebody that this is where I come from one day, but then he'll turn around and and change it the next. And you just don't know. And I remember when uh, seeing an interview with the, the, the showrunners of Gotham and they were pretty much of the opinion that they were going to introduce a series of characters over the run of the show. They said that could be the Joker, but you wouldn't know which one it is. And I thought, well, that's kind of fun. And they kind of started that with the Red Hood gang. So you saw the Red Hood gang. And and they thought, okay, well, somebody here is going to be the Joker, and and yeah, they they played around with that a little bit, but then they um, with Jerome, it was obvious, like it was so <laughs> obvious that if 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 it wasn't the Joker, as you said, it was a character that's going to inspire the Joker, which again takes a little bit away from my Joker on that too. So I'm kind of like, and you know, now with the with him coming back, like you said, it'll probably be more of a this really is the Joker kind of thing. And I, and I, and I hate to think of a Joker being a second act, you know, somebody who's like, Oh yeah. I remember that guy that came out before him. Well, the Joker's just a guy that was kind of like that now. And I, I just, I, I, and I, and, and I don't really have anything against the actor per se, but I just really don't think it's necessary. And I like the idea of them playing around with it, but they abandoned that. And I, and I get why they're doing it because obviously the Joker is, headline character ratings boon you know if the joker's there people want to tune in mm-hmm. um and uh so the the you know the idea maybe it came from fox or somebody that higher up and said you know we need ratings we want joker so they they're they're doing that and uh or doing something close to it and uh i i for the, i just i'm a little disappointed with that i think the the, the kid who's playing jerome is uh, honestly, if you just slap the name Joker on, it's like this dude's a genius. He's just so good. He's the next Heat Ledger. Hopefully not, but still, like he's a, he's stupendous. <laughs> but and I just don't. I'm the same way. I'm kind of like, all right, Jerome, you can be your own dude, but you're you're crossing the line here. I can't. I can't go that line with you. I just can't. I refuse. I'm letting a Batman fan, and I just cannot go there with you. 
the other thing is that every Joker that I've seen, you know, whether it's 66 Joker or Jack Nicholson or Heath Ledger, they've all been different. They've all mm-hmm. decided to take the character a different way. And this guy is obviously aping. It's very strongly Nicholson with a little Ledger thrown in. And mm-hmm. it's like he's just trying to be other people who have played the role rather than doing his own thing also, which... You know what I'm saying? I mean, it it draws comparison, and he's always going to measure up short if you're just comparing him to other people who have played it. Yeah. I mean, playing a character like the Joker, you really are just crap out of luck. Mm -hmm. Because you can try and do your own thing, (laughs) but then people will hate you, a.k.a. Heath Ledger, until you actually saw the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Or you could copy and try to mimic what has already been done, and then you're still going to get a little flack for it. I mean, kudos to the kid for stepping up to the plate, but you just aren't going to win any battle with this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, I mean, yeah. I mean, to your point, look at everything that Jared Leto's going through with this year. Right? Suicide Squad, yeah. right? Um, and, and at least he said, you know, or the, he made the decision, or they made the decision, you know what? We're not going to do a Joker like anything anybody's seen before. This is going to be its own thing, you know? Now, um, yeah, so at least it's the comparison is not right there in your face. Yeah. Right. right, and I feel like that's what you have to do now. It gets to a point where if enough people try it, you know, <laughs> there's only right. so much you can do with the basic concept of the Joker. So, you know, you're going to have some that don't fall as well as others. But at least, he, you know, he went for something different, which I feel is the better decision than just being like, I'm going to do what you know somebody else did because that's that you'll always be a copy that way and i like the fact that joker and batman are they originate they come out at the same time they're arch nemesis they're 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 the yin to each other's yang they're just they're they're two like right there and and to me jerome's not a foil for bruce yet and so the fact that you've got this sort of weird sort of prehistory with him just doesn't work for me yeah i kind of on that uh line uh and i'm gonna segue into bruce now a little bit uh, but as a side point it disappointed me that harvey dent when they established him was so much older than bruce because (laughs) i wanted the best friend so i was thinking maybe someone that went to school with him someone that knew him someone that could be bruce's friend and then later you know, when he has the turn, then it's like, okay, well, we've kind of established them as friends, and then you'll feel more, you know, when he becomes, you know, Two-Face, but instead it's kind of like, nope, Harvey's a guy in his 30s, and Bruce is 12, you know? <laughs> so. And and Harvey's a guy that's already got a dark side. Right. Yeah, I mean, that was apparent, I think, even from the first episode, when he's just yeah. screaming at everybody, and yeah, I, 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 I didn't appreciate the fact that we didn't go through a journey with him, that he was just kind of already there, but they seem to have dropped him pretty much anyway so yeah he there's a few characters from season one and even in the season two that they've kind of said it eh, wasn't really working and he's one of them so yeah i don't miss him so if, if he didn't come back i wouldn't really cry uh, but let's uh let's talk now about bruce alfred and selena who very much are playing in their own uh you know almost in their own thing but the show is yeah. clever enough to keep enough tie-ins you know, to to keep it from feeling like I'm watching show A and show B. But they're right. very much, you know, three characters that interact a lot. And, you know, when the show started, you know, and they very much pitched it as a very grounded cop procedural show, I felt like Bruce 
was kind of a mistake to have as a regular because mm-hmm. I didn't want the 12 year old. I didn't really feel like that made sense for a cop drama because they kept trying to find reasons for Jim to just go and visit yep. Bruce and have these yep. cops that went nowhere. It's basically <laughs> like, have you found my parents killer yet? No, Bruce, but I'm trying. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, okay, uh, we have, we've seen this scene before. Right. It happened. If not every episode, at least every other episode. And, uh, you know, and I felt like, you know, I mean, at least my understanding of the Batman lore was that, you know, Bruce moved around a lot after his parents died. He didn't really stay at the house. And that's how he sort of picked up all the various skills that he would later use as Batman. And so I was like, ah, this whole thing of keeping him in town doesn't really make sense. He doesn't really fit in with the style of the show, whatever. But man, I mean, Alfred was the reason I liked that he was there. I was like, I can watch Sean Pertwee all day. You know, yes. I mean, he is uh, just, I mean, I already have love for him because I'm a big Doctor Who fan and really love the third Doctor and I love John Pertwee. But Sean, I mean, Sean is Alfred is... Like I said, he, he's, like, playing this really awesome father figure who isn't really Bruce's father. He understands that he is an employee. They had that whole thing where Bruce fired him at that one point. You could just tell how broken that made him because he loves Bruce like a son. And, uh, you know, just all the ways that he tries to, like, steer Bruce, you know, in, in sort of a way knowing that he's not, you know, the official parent but just trying to, you know, make him see, you know, the you know the right way to go and stuff. I, I just love all of that stuff. And the fact that he, uh, you know, just whips out the whoop-ass whenever he needs to, it's also really <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I love Alfred. And, um, you know, and I thought that the stuff with Bruce and Selina was a little too much too early, too. But now that I've kind of embraced that this isn't, you know, uh, Batman, this is just Gotham, I'm like, you know what, they're cute. <laughs> You know, I I like the relationship and I'm just going to throw away the mythology part of it and just say like, hey, I just like this sort of budding relationship between the two of them. So, yeah, that's kind of my feelings on it. Uh, Mike Gordon, how, how have you felt about Bruce and his sort of family dynamic? I think very similar. I mean, they didn't really know what to do with him besides being the brooding, you know, uh, boy in the first season. And uh, once they gave him a purpose, and certainly with this season, well, last season with uh, Gallivant and this season with Court of Owls, I think it's been great. Uh, yeah. Giving him some uh, something to do. And, and, he's, and the kid is great. Uh, I don't know if I can ever really look at him and go, yeah, I can see you becoming Batman. Uh, he's got this sort of still, like, kind of like twig like figure right. so i can't really see him like really just putting the hurt on criminals but um that's why he has to know, wear the mask uh, it's the intimidation they, of the mask <laughs> right they've done some i i actually really think that uh cameron's doing a great job of selena um mm. whenever she's on i I'm, I'm just like she's she's great and the the sort of budding teen love affair with them it is kind of cute um you're right about Alfred, this is a fighting Alfred that we haven't seen before, so it's pretty awesome. You know, uh, one of the things that, you know, Batman v Superman got right was they had an Alfred that was kind of like this Alfred, Mm -hmm. right? That is more of a partner in uh, fighting crime than a guy that just kind of gets him sandwiches uh, down in the cave, you know? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Cucumber sandwiches down at the cave. And uh, there's been some great moments with these guys. Uh, I I really liked uh, last season with Silver St. Cloud, right? Yeah, Silver, yeah. The whole angle and the fact that Bruce set her up, that was beautiful. That was 
that was a great moment for Bruce, and and that really made me a fan of of what they're doing with them. And going into this season with him being a little bit more proactive and then fighting the the owls a little bit, I I just I'm on his side. I I definitely like what they're doing, and there's still time where. You know, I guess if they wanted to, they could. He's of an age where, you know, in a few years, he could go off to, you know, Nanda Parbet or whatever and do his, like, uh, soul searching and, and try to come and then come back later. Like, like, he's still young enough that they could get away with that if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. But I would almost hate to see him not be on the show because I've really gotten to like him now. Yeah, I mean, again, once they got to the second season and they realized, I mean, I think part of it is they saw how popular The Flash was, which debuted at the same time that they did and that they saw that hey maybe you know putting in comic book elements to this show and just kind of letting us go crazy is an okay thing to do because of how popular that is but whatever they decided what they did with bruce in that second season was just it, it was it was perfect uh you know you talked about how he outsmarted silver um the whole thing where he finds his parents actual killer by himself oh, yeah. you know jim had <laughs> nothing to do with that <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, I I love one of my favorite scenes in the third season is when Bruce sees I think it's the first time Bruce sees Gordon uh, the, the, in the third season and he goes to his he goes to his apartment and he's kind of like you're a detective now and you know James is like yeah it's a, it's a living or whatever and, and Bruce is kind of like yeah well you never did find my parents killer you're not really that good at a detective <laughs> like this is what you're doing for a living like <laughs> It's just like, wow, Bruce, like, really, like, bringing the bird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, uh, you know, and so the whole thing of him finding his parents' killer and, uh, you know, now everything that he's doing with the Court of Owls and everything, the one thing that if they, I have two thoughts, basically, with this season. One is, if they do still want to make him Batman, I feel like they still need to do something to sort of generalize what happened to his parents. Because otherwise, it's just, well, once you take out these people, you know, why would you go on to fight crime in general? Because one of the things that I think is so important to Batman's origin is that it could have been anyone. You know, it was a random act of violence against his parents, which is why all criminal action, you know, is something that he's against. Instead of a vendetta against a specific person uh, or group that that murdered his parents. So, I'm I'm waiting to see how they go with that. But the other thing is the clone. And oh, right. the clone was a really weird thing that just sort of came out of nowhere at the end of the last season. And, and I don't think it's done. Right. And and they had him in it a lot in the early parts of this season. And, you know, uh, he got close to Selena and everything else. But then the Court of Owls picked him up. But if, if you notice, they played this sort of almost Danny Elfman Batman-y riff when the clone was like dropping from skyscrapers and stuff like that. I have this weird feeling, and both my wife and I had it, that are they trying to say that the clone is the one that becomes Batman? Because that's that's the vibe that I got from that. And I'm, I don't think I would like that, but it almost seems to be the way that they're going. I wouldn't like it either. And, I, and But you know what? Kudos to them for playing around with that sort of thing. And plus, it's Gotham. They could... I mean, if, if they went that way, you know what? They would probably do it. And I, after I saw it, I'd be like, yeah, I'm on board with that now. Right. <laughs> He's not wrong. Right. <laughs> uh, so, Mike Nelson, what, do you, what have you been thinking about the, the Wayne group of characters? Those kids are cute. They're so adorable. <laughs> Just, I, could, 
I mean, I don't like Bruce. I don't like him at all. But it's like with him and Selena together, I'm like, oh, you're adorable. <laughs> you, you kids go out there and do crime and have a full <laughs> compass. So this it's adorable. You go out there, young Michelle Pfeiffer. You just you just go. <laughs> <laughs> you go out there and steal yourself a crystal owl. <laughs> <laughs> but I've I, I think the the. That trifecta of just their interactions with one another. And Alfred's trying to be the English, moral, nicest, modest manners. He has the English manners. But my God, every time she speaks, you know in his his eyes, he wants to hit her. Right. In his eyes, he just wants to hit her. One good pop. Just one good pop in the lip. <laughs> well, he, he doesn't think that she's she's good for Bruce at all. I mean, that's the no. real problem is that oh, he yeah. does not want her around Bruce. I don't think he wants to hurt her. He just wants to go away and never bother Bruce again. And you know how they do it in Gotham. You know, take him to the pier. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, because she encourages Bruce doing things that he doesn't think Bruce should be doing. And he's also, uh, you know, I think there's also is a matter of propriety there about their age and whatnot, too, that he has. But, uh, yeah, it, it is very cool. I, I do like the interaction between them because of his just complete disdain for Selena and how she, like, just calls him things like Jeeves and stuff, you know, <laughs> to show her kind of disdain for him, too. It's amazing to me that in the comics for... 70 some years i mean obviously in the first uh, the golden age it was a little different but mm-hmm. ever since uh, certainly the silver age batman has been i mean it has been part of his mantra like big time that everybody knows that batman doesn't kill mm-hmm. but yet every time he shows up on the screen or even in gotham now bruce has come dangerously close twice to killing people and <laughs> you could argue that you know he has killed in some ways you know Mm -hmm. and that that i'm like really why is this necessary but they've also done that with jim a little bit and i've i've kind of not really been pleased with some of those either but well that's a good that's a good place to tee up on jim because yeah last season well let me back up even further first season they made jim out to be the most perfect paragon of virtue that there could (laughs) ever be it was Mm -hmm. jim does no wrong even when it really hurts him he will always choose the right path and he'll always do the right thing then that went all right out the window at the first episode of the second season where he's doing a job for the penguin he kills a guy in the parking lot right in the parking lot and it compromised him for the whole rest of the season i almost feel like that was like the one central mistake of the second season is that I don't think they knew where to go with Jim for a lot of the time because it was a lot of him and Bar, you know, whereas before it had been Jim and Bruce, you know, with the constant, I didn't catch your parents yet. It became Jim and Barnes, you know, arguing about whether or not he did bad stuff or not. You know, then when he cold bloodedly murders Galavan, it gets even worse, you know, and it kind of just goes around and around and they kind of never even solved that issue. Just the third season, they're just kind of ignoring it. <laughs> and it's kind of like... Well, no, I, I, what I've noticed is that the first season, you're right. He's like, you know, squeaky clean. He's the guy. He's the guy mm-hmm. that's going to save Gotham. He's going to turn the GCPD around. He's he's the, the, the soldier of, of virtue, et cetera, et cetera. And, and in the second season, yeah, he gets darker. He starts, like, you know, killing people and stuff. And it's like, I, I really didn't know how I felt about that. And the third season, it's just like, let's see how many ways we can beat this guy up. Like... Every episode, they just either emotionally or physically beat him down until until now, 
and with the mid-season finale, he's in a place where he's totally screwed. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, um, I, I mean, not like, I mean, obviously the GCPD knows that Falcone's son had Tetch blood in him, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there's a case like, okay, what? But, you know, Falcone was like, if you go, you're going to kill my son. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. We all know he's going to do that. Even Falcone knows he's going right. to. And sure enough, he shows up and kills him. Now, the knife just <laughs> suddenly disappears in the water. Right. Probably, you know, I don't know why they can't just pick it up out of the water and get the dust it for prints. But no, of course, it would probably be carried off by a fish or something like that. Probably Fish Mooney. But, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> She'll have the knife later on and be like, the only way you could, you know, redeem yourself is with this piece of evidence I have. Um, right there, that's the season finale right there. I swear to God, that's how it's going to turn out. Yeah, the, the trick for I, writing Gotham is just think of the most outlandish outcome to a situation and just do that. <laughs> absolutely. It's crazy. Um and I like the fact that they've just bounced him around and he just, you know, he can't catch a break. And I think that they've learned now that the the what to do with him is just to beat him up, like really just give him situations where he's always the guy running the, the boulder uphill. And it's going to it's going to roll back down and he's got to go push it back up and it's going to roll back down. I mean, that's that's just going to be Jim Gordon from now on, I think. Oh, no, I like what they're doing with him now. I'm just saying that the second season, I felt the one change that I didn't like or where I thought they were going wrong was with Jim because all these questions and constantly, like, undermining his, you know, ability to do his job and everything else, it was just kind of like I, I didn't care to watch the Jim segments anymore because... I, I just, he, 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 you know, I mean, it didn't make sense why, you know, Barnes, if Barnes knows that he murdered Galavan, why does he even care about having him back on the force and everything else? It just got kind of a little too much for me. Well, it's, it's, it's true. Once they brought Barnes in and Barnes is like the squeaky clean, like I'm going to clean up the GCPD and all, I'm the straight and narrow guy. Then, you know, you don't need Gordon to be that. So Gordon uh, starts, you know, being kind of sketchy and that. I don't know if that was a great dynamic, really. Um, I'm like you. I didn't really feel like... I think it had gotten too far away from what I like about the Jim Gordon character as a whole. And I'm glad to see that it's kind of been uh, changed this season. But it's hard to come back from. Uh, I know a lot of people, even uh, people that I know that really love Gotham, hate Ben McKenzie. Yeah. <laughs> like, <he> just... <laughs> Like they like every time he's like the most boring guy in the show, and he's supposed to be the the guy that's not got any powers and not crazy and not all that kind of stuff. So mm. you got to have your one guy that's like that, I guess. And and you know they keep saying he's the star, but I don't know if that's true. But he's he's certainly you know the guy that we follow. So we all know Bullock is the star, right? Well, <laughs> and yeah, you can't talk about Jim without talking about Bullock, his partner who I am very happy to see more central to the show this season. Because second season, it almost seemed like Bullock was sidelined for most of the season. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the first season, he was one of the wonderful things. I mean, Donald Logue, he was so good uh, as the sort of skeezy cop who's been everywhere, (laughs) you know, done everything. You know, he kind of toes the line. You know, he, he, he might do a few things that aren't, really what a cop should do but when push comes to shove he does the right thing he's got your back right and Mm -hmm. he's also he admired jim's you know his 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 purity uh and and jim was able to inspire him to be better and i liked that dynamic 
But but you're right. When Jim goes bad, second season, there's nothing for that character to do. So that he just disappears. Yeah, and this season we're we're finally seeing him step up a lot more. Uh, you know, it looks like he's the next one in charge uh, with Barnes incapacitated, which is going to be interesting to see Bullock in a position of authority uh, <laughs> and how he handles that because um, it's clearly not what he wants. <laughs> right. He's not comfortable doing it, but I, I wonder how long they'll play that. Because I mean, yeah, we know that Jim is supposed to become Commissioner Gordon at some point, but he's obviously not there in either seniority or where they've what they've done to him as a character. He's not really fit for that position anyway uh, right now. Um, so especially now, right? And so it'll be. It, I, I'm very curious to see how it'll go, but I just want more Bullock. Because he is just fun and funny and, you know, the best episodes of the first season, I think, are the ones that ratcheted up the bullock. I mean, one of them, it's it's uh, it was written by Ben Edlund and it was this one where he's tracking down these strange yeah, killings. Yeah, about. Yeah, yep. and, and that whole episode, that was just perfect. And it, it, it was, so much of that was because of how he handles that character. Mike Nelson, uh, we, we've been talking a lot here. Uh, what are your <laughs> thoughts on, uh, on Gordon Bullock? Season three, Gordon is my favorite Gordon. I, I've really enjoyed, and I've really enjoyed Gordon as a character as a whole. I've, I'm not a Ben McKenzie fan that much either. I, I remember here from the OC. That's, there's my childhood right there. Uh, but I, I've, I've really enjoyed, Gordon was really one of the saving, is one of the saving graces for this show. And seeing from where he was this pure white knight in season one, then come into season two, he gets a little dinged almost to the point where he's like, you know what? You're dirty. You're just, you're, <laughs> right. you're just filthy, sir. You don't know what you're doing. And then now in season three, he's coming into this redemption and also trying to now find himself after screwing up as a guy in a comic book setting, at least losing the girl and making this whole almost CW-esque thing going on. (laughs) 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 But I really enjoyed Gordon this season. And, And you're completely right with Bullock season two. He season one, he was that. He was a sidekick, but he was a prominent sidekick. Mm. Season two, he was kind of, they threw him to the side a bit. And then now in season three, he's back in the forefront as like the number one go-to guy, always having your back more than ever. And I absolutely just love seeing the segments. And I'm really, I'm, I'm wanting to see Bullock be in this captain chair. Because mm. I, I am, I am super, as soon as he says like, yep, I'm going to have to be the acting captain. I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Do it, guys. Let's get, uh, the whole rest of the season, all that. Last two episodes, he can lose his position. I don't care. I want second half of the season. I want a lot of Bullock in a captain's chair. I want that. <laughs> yeah, you might get your wish, because this is Gotham, and the most <laughs> yeah. outlandish outcomes happen. <laughs> yeah, Just look who the mayor is. <laughs> right. Oh, that's right. I was about to say, it's like, who is the mayor? Oh, yeah, it's that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he won with the power of friendship. <laughs> well before we segue over to the penguin i do want to talk about barnes since he's more in the gordon wheelhouse and uh you know i i made i've made a lot of ben Grimm jokes ever since uh barnes (laughs) has been on the show uh i was really hoping that when they gave him the crazy blood that he was gonna say it's clobbering time at least once but it didn't happen (laughs) but um you know, I mean, it's 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 what we said before. I mean, he was brought in to be the the pure guy when they wanted to go a darker note with Jim, 
But then they, again, ratcheted up the 15 by introducing <laughs> the tainted blood that makes you, uh, like, makes your, your most, uh, or your strongest personality trait overemphasized. And so his desire for justice turned him into a crazed vigilante. <laughs> with, you know, I, I really enjoyed the turn there. You know, uh, it was, you know, once he, st- once he decided that that's what he was doing and he became like so kind of sinister and enjoying it and everything, I feel like Chickless did a fantastic job conveying that. And I, I, I really don't know what they're going to do with the character now because he's still around uh, in Arkham. And yeah. I always thought in the second season, season that was going to be his death that was going to bring Jim back to being that pure character I thought it was going to be like a moment of on his deathbed he was going to say to Jim something like you know Jim you you know you're doing the wrong things with your life you've really got to promise me you're going to change or something and I'm really glad they didn't go that route because it would have been so cliched (laughs) but uh you know now now it's like he he can't he has no moral authority to stand on (laughs) As we've as we've seen, Gotham eats cliches for breakfast, right. yeah. <laughs> and spits them out and gives them to you that way. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I but yeah, I've been kind of enjoying this because yeah, I mean, I don't think there was much to his character in the second season. He was just there to be the the guy that says we're going to take the you know crime out of this city, and I'm you know the guy's going to do it. And this season, he's been able to have a little more fun with it. Well, and plus, once they made you know Gordon kind of be more of a, a uh, like a darker version then you couldn't very well have i mean they tried but you couldn't have bullock be the one to be like no jim you shouldn't do that because right. it would go against really anything that he's ever said um so they can't they obviously barnes comes in to play the role of you know you're out of line gordon you know that kind of thing <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh uh you're fired give me your badge you know um so uh so you know, that's his role for the whole second season and really, you know, not very rewarding. And then part of the first half, a part of the first part of this season, he was kind of like that too. But then once he gets the text blood, then he becomes more of a bad guy. And, and I like what they've done with him as well. I thought it was a great way to move him out. Like now that he's not necessary because Jim's back where he's supposed to be and move him out of that position. And like you guys said, either put Harvey there or eventually Jim's going to go there. I think they did the most excellent of casting getting Michael Chiklis to play this character. Yeah. Absolutely. Because he walks into the room and all of a sudden I'm at attention. Yep. Yeah. Yes, sir. (laughs) Like, I will follow you wherever you go, sir. Just tell me where. And Barnes is such a strong, strong character. Just how Michael brings brings that character really to life. And I, I remember watching Michael from The Shield, from FX The Shield. And having that commanding voice and presence, so bringing that into Captain Barnes was like okay. It's like, but I really got annoyed with almost every season we get that speech. We're gonna clean up Gotham, <laughs> and you're gonna help me do it. Like, oh, how many times do we have to hear this? You're never gonna do this. Right. It's like making the yeah. Christmas list. You're never gonna complete it, Jan. You never will. <laughs> Well, it's really interesting to me because I go back to that first season story about how everyone has a cobblepot, and eventually everybody does. I mean, even, you know, Jim didn't have one, then the second season he gets it. 
and now Barnes has, you know, like, everybody eventually, like, what they said is true. Like, all these characters who are supposed to take out the crime end up becoming in some way compromised, and I, I find that kind of interesting. They haven't, they haven't obviously gone back to that in the show, but it's just something I've been thinking about, you know, as the show has progressed. Yeah, and then Barnes making this, making that switch with the infection, because I was, once he got infected, I was sitting in my chair like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Right. And, and it gradually came in. He had the super strength. I'm like, see, oh, Hulk out. Hulk out. And thing out. And, thing, and, out. Yeah. thing out. Thing out. Thing out. Yeah. <laughs> Find a rock and crush it. And you cry a little. Uh, so he got the blood and he gradually got into this persona of being a judge during execution. And I, I absolutely love the transition into it. And then everyone's realization that he was actually infected. Just, oh my God, Barnes is infected with the catch virus. Du, du, du. <laughs> like it was just a big realization. Just cue some music. That scene with him and uh, Jim in the car. Where yeah. like Jim is just is awesome. I mean, they're both just just playing that off big time, and it's it's great. Yeah, going back to something that you said earlier, uh, Mike Gordon. It's a show. This show could not in the past. This show could not have been at eight o'clock because like Barnes, even though it happens off screen, he rips that one guy in half. Yes, he did. Yeah. And they yes, show a lot did. of you know they show a lot of it at the crime scene. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's like. Oh my God! This guy's intense. He had the intense. dudes on the chair hanging from the ceiling, <laughs> like, like Barnes. You are vicious right now, sir. <laughs> right. But yeah, I like that he didn't become a true, like, insane, like, rage kind of person. That there was intelligence to the moves that he was making, mm-hmm. and how even like was like Jim. You either shoot this guy now, or I've pinned all the evidence on you at this crime scene. <laughs> you know, where it will look like you're. You know, even if I end up killing him, you'll look like the one who did it you know and uh i I liked all of that because it gives you know it just gives uh you know him a a, you know more uh presence or more to do and better foil for jim so i like that i think if i ever go to a convention and michael shickles is there you know with the gotham crowd i want a t-shirt it just says guilty (laughs) (laughs) that that's my thing now that ending scene for the episode he's just in the straight jacket just yelling guilty guilty i'm like yeah yeah, I've done some bad things. You're right, sir. You're right. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but yeah, I've done bad things. I'm guilty. <laughs> it's so amazing, too, because he's... I don't think he's a character that was ever in the comics, but yet I feel like he should be. Like, like, right. like yes! Like there sh- should be, like, a, like a you know, Judge Dredd kind of character, you know, cross Judge Dredd with the thing, you know, that could go up, <laughs> against, uh, up against Batman and Gotham, because I'm like, yeah, it just determines that you know, criminals are guilty and goes after him and all that. And I'm like, that would be, I'm why hasn't it like, this was never done. Why not? Cause it's perfect. Right. It is. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, you know, I said it before, but you know, since this show is so off the wall, I felt like they could have snuck in the it's clobbering time you know, <laughs> for him with a criminal, you know, something like that. It's clobbering time, you know, no, no, just going no, no. Down. it's judging time. Right. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so that I think, uh, brings us to the villains, uh, which I should probably put with quotes because nobody in Gotham is really 100% good, uh, as we, yeah. well, Bruce, I suppose. Well, he's, he's killed a few. He's chaotic. Uh, he's chaotic good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
But, uh, you know, I'll, I mean, let's start with the Penguin, because he was the one that started off the show. His performance was one of the initial, you know, really charismatic kind of things that drew a lot of people to the show. And watching him work, watching him manipulate and sort of, like, move through, you know, the different operations to his own rise to power was one of the early parts of the show that I thought was really interesting. And now we've gotten to the point where he ran for mayor. <laughs> and one legitimately... And is, still the, and is still the crime boss of right. Gotham. Let's not see. He didn't forgo one over the other. No, no. He's both. Right. And yes. And, and he won legitimately, too, because he was going to fix yeah. the election. He and, did. And Nygma was like, no, no, no. It'll be better if you win legitimately and actually, you know, make sure it happens that way. And so they're yeah. So you know, you would think that was far fetched, but you know, sometimes things happen. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I I really like that because I just sort of like having him, you know, sort of progress through, you know, to having all of this that he's attained, and now we're going to see the fall coming up as his relationship with Ed deteriorates, and Ed figures out what he's done and everything else, so we've gotten him to go through this sort of meteoric rise to where the people love him, too, because he's taking credit for cleaning up the city of all the quote-unquote monsters that were underneath our Arkham that were let out, also, which was uh, kind of a, a stroke of genius on his part so i've wa liked watching all the planning and plotting and now i can't wait to see the sort of undermining of all of it penguin still carries the show for me mm -hmm. as much as i love jim as much as i'm starting to tolerate bruce i still watch it for penguin he's the best and robin lord taylor is the mvp of this show <laughs> yes he is and he needs to always hear it at every convention he, he goes to until he figures out that it's real. It's damn real. <laughs> it's damn real. <laughs> yeah, when they first had him and uh, and uh, uh, the Riddler uh, or Digma uh, meet in the first season, it felt very heavy-handed. It was like, oh, look at these two guys who are about to become Batman villains and now watch as they say hi to each other in strange ways. You know, <laughs> and it was just kind of like... But wait, uh, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> right, but then in the second season, they moved them to actually having, like, a real friendship that was kind of really cool to see, you know, them sort of, you know, uh, work, you know, off of each other and whatnot. And now we come to the third season, Ooh. where suddenly it goes, again, up to 15. <laughs> and we find out that the Penguin uh, has romantic feelings for Ed, which are not reciprocated, Aww. which has led to uh, him killing Ed's girlfriend who was an exact look-alike for the girlfriend that he murdered, which is another Gotham thing that was just kind of like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that happens. That that oh, that totally happened. I kept expecting her to be like a twin sister or something out for revenge. She was going to trick she him. Even, she even changed her look to look exactly <laughs> like know. her and then put, had him put his arm around, his hand around her neck. That got real freaky, by the way. <laughs> I got like, oh, this is 10 o'clock territory, but I love it. I cannot look away. It is so weird how compelling it is, but you're right. <laughs> look, the you're right. I mean, obviously, Robin Lord Taylor, when he's first cast, you're like, what? A, but wait, what's this? A skinny guy playing the penguin? He's not short. He's not. It doesn't it doesn't match up with anything that we know. Right. Mm -hmm. But yet it. 
it 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 so works. It, this is a guy that as many many great actors have done in the past with uh, with DC characters, with Batman characters, has made him his own. You, this is a game changer when it comes to more than any other character on on Gotham. Like this has changed what writers and people will think of the Penguin for decades to come after this because of what is being done on this show and whether or not you know in the first season where he's trying to you know he's being uh, made fun of and he's being suppressed by fish those scenes and then he you know he gets more involved with the the gang war with falcone and that's really cool and then he has his come up with it with fish at the end of season one and that's uh rewarding and we see you know we see the side of him that he's is devious he is smart he is uh uh empowering and then there are times when he just come then i don't know it's there's an inconsistency inconsistency to him but in some ways it makes sense it's not like a writer thing where i'm like oh they're not writing them strong enough because some you know sometimes the, the, the everything's going up roses for him and other times he just has like he takes two you know, weird sidesteps back. Whether it's second season when he was involved with uh, when he was put in Arkham, that mm-hmm. was great. Uh, then after that, you know, talk about being on the sidelines. They have this storyline with him and his dad with oh Paul Rubens, perfectly cast, <laughs> yes. recast. Yes. I should say recast as Penguin's father because he's played him before. But it just is so beautiful and it works so well. And then we go from that to this beautiful friendship between him and and Nigma and dude, I cannot wait. The second half is pure Penguin Riddler all out war. Yeah. And I, I cannot wait to see what this is going to be like because you've got two forces that are just going to tear Gotham apart. And I, 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 I'm looking forward to it. And right now it looks like Nigma has got the upper hand, but you're right. I'm wondering if uh, Penguin's going to call in Fish and his, his monster men and, and try to do something about it. Yeah, I, I'll have to say uh, one of the scenes that uh, really I, I've loved the most about Penguin, it's still the one that I come back to, is towards the end of season two, where Galavan's been turned into Azrael and he is uh, insane and will stop at nothing to killing Bruce. And he's got them there, they're on the drive, but they can't run anymore, and Galavan's just coming up on them, and all of a sudden he just explodes, and there's Penguin with a bazooka. <laughs> Finally getting revenge on Galavan for killing his mother <laughs> by blowing like, him to pieces. Right. <laughs> um, season two penguin with him and Galavan just the mother thing broke yeah. me. It yeah. destroyed <laughs> me with penguin. And then with the penguin's father and dad dies, we had this nice family. He finally figures out stepmom and the kids are all up against them. Like, like, uh, where are the kids? Aren't they joining us for food? Or for dinner? Oh, yes. How does she taste? I'm like, oh my god! You're scary! (laughs) He's back! I found that a little disturbing. (laughs) You know, the bazooka thing I think is fun, but like cannibalism just kind of turns my stomach so that's not... (laughs) That's that's where he draws the line. (laughs) Yeah, oh man, but as far as like revenge goes, though, I mean that's... I mean, that's one of the most sadistic revenge schemes you know, I've ever seen. (laughs) Again, not 8 o'clock <laughs> viewing material. <laughs> I still Penguins wonder how Fox gets away with it. I mean, geez. Man, those those rating people, I tell you what, I don't know what their censor, their censor department does. Right. <laughs> Penguin Season 3 has, 
it really has been just nail out of the uh, ballpark with killing Nigma's uh, chick, mm-hmm. who is still a complete mystery to me on how that even occurred. And but and then the whole relationship of wanting to take it a step further with Edward, it, it didn't even dawn on me until because I watched it the next day on on Hulu. And so throughout the day, I just saw a bunch of posts talking about it. I'm like, what are they? Now I replayed it back in my head. I'm like, oh, pe- oh, Penguin does. Oh my god, Did- I didn't even know. I didn't even really put two and two together. And it just, and then of course, Aaronette blew up about it. And they're like, oh, silly Aaronette, you blow up over everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and honestly, I want it to happen. I was really like, come on, pe- <laughs> like how do we how do we mesh uh, shift these? It's like. Panger or or rig or rid Ridglin? Ridlin. <laughs> like I want this. I I I think that Penguin's love for Enigma flourished pretty well. And because of course I me mean, Penguin was not like a social person to begin with. Mm-hmm. All the what we've seen in Hellsway's relationship with his mother, this was all gonna turn out like this. Eh, this is not even expected. Or, or unexpected. So I was like, yes, let this flourish. No, don't kill the oh you kill oh this this is gonna end badly. Yeah, I mean with for someone as but beautifully smart, badly. Yeah, yeah, I mean yeah, I, I mean I did kind of roll my eyes that he couldn't come up with a better way of doing this because <laughs> someone as smart as Ed, of course, is going to figure out eventually what was going on. I mean it was only a matter of time and you know, it's Yeah, it only took a hand. That's all. It only took a hand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he found out that it was sabotage really quickly. Yeah, his he, when he blew up on that GCPD per- mechanic. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! So even I'm like, you know, Ed's not wrong. Can you not do your job? Right. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it seemed to me that he could have. I mean, with with the amount of scheming we've seen him do in the past, he could have come up with something better than she fell asleep at the wheel two blocks from her house. <laughs> you know, I mean that that part to me was kind of you know because even Ed was like, it doesn't make sense. She's only like two blocks from her house. You know, <laughs> why would she fall asleep at the wheel? Yeah, the penguin's not a mastermind though, so yeah. it's it does it's not within really his character to come up with something that would would out puzzle. The Riddler. So, right. no matter what you 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 know how he disposed of her. I mean, the point is is that you know uh, Ed's going to figure it out, and when he does, he's going to be looking for vengeance. So, and that's that's the beauty of it. I mean, we had to get we had to get all that out of there because the, you know to have these two great forces going up against each other is where the shows the fireworks are really going to begin on this show. Right. I knew that the friendship had to be temporary anyway because it's because it seems like such right. a waste. <laughs> It's two villains, of course. Right. It's <laughs> yeah, it seemed like a waste for such potential there of having two major characters be buddy-buddy. But yeah, I mean, Ed is a, uh, a character that I wasn't sure how I felt about him in the first season. I really hated when they made it look like he had multiple personality disorder. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just not the Riddler to me. I mean, to me, a, a smarter way of going with the Riddler would have just been he didn't like how he was picked on. He knew he was smarter than all these fools who wouldn't listen to him. And just having it start to be something where he just starts, you know, playing with people and it just keeps escalating as he tries to show how he's so much smarter than everyone until it becomes something where, where it's actually criminal in its action because they've just pushed him that far. And I thought that would have been an e- more... F- 
interesting progression than a crime of passion where he murders the guy who's abusing the girl that he likes. And then he has, like, this, like, psychotic break over it. But now that they've kind of allowed him to sort of, like, find his center, you know, he's not talking to himself in the mirror anymore or any of that kind of stuff. Right. I I, I like this. I mean, he is playing the Riddler like I want him to be played, where he is really cerebral, he he knows what he's doing, and he's just thinking, like, ten moves ahead of everybody, and I love that. I agree. I agree. I I liked... uh... You know, when he eventually got, uh, um, you know, went up against the GCPD and he was just sort of playing them for fools, mm-hmm. that felt very Riddler-ish to me. I thought, mm-hmm. this is really, like, this is really cool. That was the first time that that character felt like uh, the Riddler to me. And then it kind of backed up a little bit, and but now it's 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 great. I mean, they, they I see these characters as Penguin and the Riddler now. Agreed. Agreed. It was, for me, it was... I. I didn't like the character progression for Enigma turning into the Riddler because, yeah, I mean, that multiple personality disorder thing in season two was really upsetting me. I'm like, oh, come on, this dude, okay, this, I'm just going to let go. <laughs> Gotham just cranked everything to 15 and had to make something weird. Right. And, uh, but then when he had Butch and what, and the Gallivant lady, Sister Gallivant, uh, just trapped and then made this contraption, this trap to get questions out of her or get answers, I'm just like, yeah. All right, all right. This is Riddler. Let's uh answer answer his questions. Don't get your hand cut off. Come on, do it. So I really appreciated that he made this con- he made this contraption. It's like, oh, you got a couple of seconds. You better answer. Right. And the fact that you know, I mean, again, it's Gotham. She did get her hand cut off. I mean, I, I was like, that's awesome because any other show, you know. Uh, somebody comes in just at the right time and stops, you know, but nope, yeah. not in this show. Whoop, she lost a hand. Now, she's got it back, but still. Right, well, there are consequences because she, she can't use her hand as well. There was damage. And so right, she right. Was, yeah, she wasn't able to grip things and stuff. Yeah, and then Hard Riddler point. just nonchalantly, after realizing everything, just nonchalantly walks off. Barbara comes in with a gun. It's like, you might want to put ice on that. Right. And just walks away. <laughs> oh, oh, and that, like Mike drop. <laughs> and that end scene where he comes into the bar where the three of them are together, and you know, and Barbara's like, "Are you going to say anything?" And he's like, "Mia culpa" or something like something just really like kind of <laughs> yeah. basic to be like, "Oh my bad," you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What is Galavan's sister's name? Because I'm blanking on it right now myself. I can't. I can't remember it. <laughs> it is uh, uh, Tabitha. 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 Thank you. Yes. Tabitha. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's another group we have here is the Tabitha Butch Barbara trifecta. Um, that Butch Butch is we Butch is one of those characters that again is bounced around all over the place because he went from being like Fish's uh, you know most loyal uh, man to being brainwashed to be like. Uh, super loyal to the penguin and i always thought that if fish did come back that butch would be conflicted because he even in the second season when someone said fish might come back he was uh or or he know he was the one who was saying fish will come back someday um you know and other people were saying it would never happen and so but so but once fish does come back he's pretty much on team penguin you know it's like uh you know when penguins like we're gonna kill her butch is like okay <laughs> So I, I thought that was a little weird, but I like Butch, and I especially think that his sort of puppy dog 
love for Tabitha is very endearing, even though she's kind of jerked him around in the past, even though she's now, you know, kind of coming around to him, you know, again. Uh, and, and I kind of like that uh, aspect of it. And uh, Tabitha, you know, as Galavan's sister, I didn't really think she was all that interesting. But now that she is kind of her own person and Barbara's just allowed to be bonkers off the wall and they're together in, you know, at least partners, probably more. You know, there's just a lot going on there that I just, I, I feel like that whole dynamic is fun for the three of them and I enjoy watching them. Yeah. That is a love that I never want to end. <laughs> <laughs> I I have so much fun watching anytime Butch comes on on screen. It's like, I'm going to have fun now. Mm-hmm. Just, I, just I, fun. I do feel that the real winner in the uh, Penguin Riddler War will be Butch. Yeah. Right? Me too. I'm, I'm I, I, I think I think the two of them will, you know, out and out destroy each other. Not maybe literally, but certainly in their in their levels of power. And that'll leave an opportunity for Butch to be by the next season, certainly be the, the crime Lord of Gotham. Yeah, I mean, Butch has been sort of put upon since the very beginning. He has been the lackey. He's been the loyal servant. He even lost a hand himself because of his loyalty to Penguin Mm -hmm. and and replaced it with like a big, like, like hammer mallet, (laughs) (laughs) which again, Gotham. But, uh, yep. I, uh, you know, and yeah, I, I would love to see Butch have his moment in the sun, uh, especially with how he was played by Nygma, you know, to, yeah. he, he was still loyal to Penguin, but Nygma made him look like he was trying to kill him and, uh, you know, everything else. So it's like Butch, Butch just kind of needs to have his own time in the sun now because no one's really treated him with any kind of respect. <laughs> Butch's plan for the Red Hood gang was good. Yeah. It was oh, yeah. really good. Yep. And then, of yeah. course, Riddler is just smarter. Mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, I do think that, you know, uh, if I can try to predict where things are going to go, which is difficult, <laughs> um, I, I do kind of foresee, you know, uh, obviously we see right now that uh, Riddler seems to have the edge on Penguin, as, as, at least them going to war. Now, Penguin's got more men, but Riddler's got more smarts, plus he's, but plus he's got, you know, Crazy Barbara and <laughs> Butch on his side. But I'm guessing maybe as the 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 the, the two of them reach their final uh, battle that Butch will probably be like, "You know what? Um, I think I'm going to sit this one out." And that will uh, sort of e- help even the odds a little bit more and they'll both be in positions like I said where They'll either be in jail or in Arkham or, you know, or somewhere MIA for a little while and, and certainly not in positions of power, either one of them. And and that'll lead for Butch to just step right in and just be the guy. Um, now, that said, that seems to make a lot of sense. That's probably not any way close to how it's going to go down. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere down the line, Barbara's just going to come out and say, I'm bored. Let's go. And and they'll just leave. They'll yeah. just well, leave. Bar- Barbara could be the I mean, she's now has desires and, and, and has her sights set on being the ultimate like crime boss in, in Gotham. Mm-hmm. So yeah. who knows? And you know, I look, I wouldn't put it past uh Tompkins to be like involved with that too, now that uh her Falcone guy is has been whacked. <laughs> 
my, my wife and you know when there's the scene where she's with her fiance and don falcone shows up and it's like hi dad and my wife's just like abort abort <laughs> <laughs> and you really gotta wonder with how lee was with jim and yeah. how she was all like oh jim you know you gotta be on the up and up and you've gotta be 100 percent pure and good and whatever thing and it's like and then you get engaged to a falcone seriously <laughs> you're worried about the darkness jim was bringing home from his work what about the <laughs> i mean even if your fiance is the nicest guy on earth look at who his father is <laughs> You know, it's just, oh no, the, the, uh, the inconsistency there. It's awesome. Yes. (laughs) But still, yeah, I was just like, my, my mouth was just like wide open. That was a good reveal how they revealed it. Cause I never saw that coming. Uh, I love the actor who plays Falcone too. Um, the older Falcone. Yeah. I I feel like he was when he was just like eh, I'm going to Florida at the end of the first season it was a real waste uh, yep. because I think that there was some real strength to that character. Uh, my favorite moment is the one where he finds out that Fish has been betraying him and he's just like strangles the girl that Fish had been like using to like manipulate yeah. him and he's just like thank you for reminding me who I really am and it was just like Ugh. chills. <laughs> you know yeah, that was. Man. That was a nice little arc that uh, they played out there. Yeah, but after that, they didn't really do much with him because then he's getting played by Penguin <laughs> for the rest of the first season, and they don't really show that sort of steely resolve that he had. And I really wish they would do more with that. But yeah, I mean, you know, Lee, I I don't know. I, I, I'm not... I don't really care one way or the other about her. You know, they, they keep on bringing it back to her and Jim. I realize that they have a relationship off screen uh, and a kid. Um, yep. So, you know. I, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But, but you know what's funny? It doesn't really register on Gotham. Like, I don't no. really see them have, like, amazing chemistry that I'm like, oh, wow, they're just too strong to to separate yeah no i i agree and you know i always think I don't that's... Know what that speaks for their real life relationship but... <laughs> <laughs> well yeah yeah mike uh, mike nelson did you really not know i didn't know oh yeah did when you... she was pregnant I thought she was single still i thought i had a chance no <laughs> when she was pregnant last season that was she was really pregnant with ben mckenzie's child well how do you well yeah <laughs> they just... now you really hate ben mckenzie don't you oh yeah a little bit <laughs> but uh, now, now I'm going to turn supervillain. <laughs> I'll take care of Gordon right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, how I described it when they first pitched it, you know, when they said they were adding Lee to, Leah Tompkins to or Leslie Tompkins to the uh, to the show, and that she was going to be in a relationship with Gordon. I was just like, that's like what? telling me that my brother's sister and my mother's brother have a relationship, right? It's just a little weird. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing actually wrong with it. It's just kind of skeezy in your head because they're both relatives right and so to me it's like and also in the comics like lee's uh, leslie Tompkins has always been portrayed just only slightly younger than aunt may right, right? so <laughs> so you're picturing james gordon with aunt may and you're like this doesn't really work for like that's kind of what 
And so, yeah, to me, it's like, you know, you're looking at Gordon and Leslie Tompkins, who are both these big parts of Batman lore, and to have them have a relationship is just kind of like, it's just kind of like, mm. but, you know, I mean, the way that they did it was fine, and, you know, and, and I have no problems with it, but I also don't particularly care about the drama of her being with someone else and Jim pining for her, other than it took him mm-hmm. to an interesting place for a while that he had to come out <laughs> yeah. with, you know, the whole beating him down thing that we've talked about but uh you know i don't know what they're gonna do with her if she's just like angry at him now because she thinks that he murdered her fiance in cold blood you know i i don't yeah. know that i want to deal with that for half a season she's going to be a supervillain. Mm-hmm. well that would be a gotham thing to do <laughs> she's like you know what i'm gonna get me some of that tetch blood <laughs> <laughs> that would definitely be a gotham thing to do <laughs> but yeah if it's just uh you know her you know like assuming he killed him without any uh war- you know reason that i that would yeah but um did any, either of you see it coming that the fiance had touch blood no. no i didn't i didn't know what they were gonna do with him uh yeah i thought he was i thought he was dirty mm-hmm. and in a way that not working with his father dirty like i thought he was trying to do something on his own uh maybe mixed up with the court of owls i wasn't sure if that connection was going to be there or not um but uh i did not think when when they revealed that he had the blood i'm like oh how did he get did he do that to himself and then i forgot that he was actually in a room with tetch and i was like okay i get it now so yeah yeah that that made actually perfect sense yeah although how you don't (laughs) know as gotham logic goes well yeah but how he didn't know that he had been injected with the tetch blood is still something that i'm kind of like huh You know? Yeah, and I mean, and if it's Tetch, I mean, he hypnotized them, and I guess made him forget. Because even I forgot. I'm like, oh yeah, they were in a room. Where did this happen? To us all. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, that brings us to I think the last character to talk about is Jervis Tetch, who, uh, as the Mad Hatter, has been a really big player this season. A uh, new villain that they've introduced. You know, He's I mean, he, he was over the top, but again, in in Gotham, it's just par for the course. <laughs> well, he's he's it's good that they introduced him third season because if he yeah. had been in the first two seasons, he wouldn't worked at all. Mm-hmm. But now that everybody's like dialed up to fifteen, like he just, I mean, Benedict Samuel just fits right in. And he, as soon as he walked in and said his name was Jarvis Tetch, I was like, this is yeah, that's the guy. That's that's Hatter. This yeah. is going to work. For- yes. Yeah. He walked into the room, started talking. I and immediately I knew this this first half season with him is going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And- just he just like Bar- just like Michael Chiklis was Barnes, like but with uh, Tetch, uh, he just brings something different. That charisma. And at first his voice was kind of annoying, but then you just get used to it. It's like. How am I so into it now? What is what is going on? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and the whole relationship with the sister was yeah. another one of those skeezy, creepy things that they just throw into <laughs> oh, yeah. Gotham there. I got, but I got real uncomfortable really quickly. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it gave him another reason to for you know another character to have a, a sick obsession, and so it gave yep. him his obsession with Gordon after she was dead. You know, which drove a whole lot of the action and just his ability to hypnotize and to manipulate through hypnosis and everything else. Just you know, it makes him a really good villain. Um, you know, and, and all the stuff where he's playing mind games with Jim was you know really messed up, but in a good way. <laughs> Did they confirm? <laughs> 
if he was actually using, like, you know, actual magic, or was it actually his power that he just had? I, I They don't say magic. I mean, I think it's just supposed to be he is a master hypnotist, like, to a degree that... I mean, like, like, like almost like Vegas magic. That's, that's the kind of magic I mean, not actual, like... Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like, don't, uh, there's no, well... Um, Gotham doesn't have metas, right? Mm-hmm. So um, all of the bad guys are either enhanced people, uh, whether by strange or some other, you know, accident or some other weird thing that happened, or they're just, you know, warped people. In some case, they're both. So I, I, I don't think he's got meta powers, if that's what you're asking. I think he's, he's might. I mean, obviously with her blood, it does kind of make you think that there is something else going on there because, it's, it, you know, they're related. Obviously, she had powers. He's got some sort of powers as well, but I, I hesitate to, to say that it's all just like a meta thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was just, uh, for, for me, it was, it was really interesting to see it, see how easily he could do it. So I'm like, is he actually doing like, stage magic to do this or is he or is he have like some kind of pheromone on him or something where anyone who listens to him can actually do it because that trick with the watch (laughs) well i'm sorry it's like i I like magic but like the trick with the watch is slowing down the heartbeat like holy this is getting surreal right now yeah so i was like i was i was all in for touch all in yeah i mean i i think it's just supposed to be that he has hypnotic techniques that are you know better yeah. than anything you would see in the real world it's not <laughs> it's not anything that's like an yeah. actual power like superpower it's just again dialed up to 15 right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he had he made his hat when he was in arkham i he he made his own hat yeah. that was cool yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the the way that inmates in Garth Gotham are allowed to sort of like roam around and do the things they do is uh, a little odd, but again, it fits in with Gotham. I mean, they had Barbara when she was an inmate with all the male inmates, which I don't think a real <laughs> insane asylum would do. You know, because you remember she had like the long dress, but in the prison stripes and everything, and it was just kind of like okay. <laughs> Arkham was Arkham was very progressive <laughs> under Hugo Strange's <laughs> administration. So uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, now he's now he's obviously there. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm wondering if they've got other plans for him uh, in, in the second half of the season, or if he's just gonna be a guy and that we you know we see every once in a while from like to. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many times you can keep going to him and going, you know, what's in your blood? What's what's going on? You know, uh, he seems to have a connection with people who have the blood, too. Like, he knows who has it and who doesn't, you know. Like, he took one look at Barnes and was like, ah, you've got it. Like, um, he just kind of knows. Yeah, I, I will remember the whole thing that went down with Gordon. He planned. He planned that yes, whole scenario. He planned that. Right. And that was part of his right. revenge on Gordon and, and to tear Gordon apart. And he did. And he did inject uh, Falcone Jr. Right. So, so those two were direct results of him. But Barnes was not. And yet, when Barnes walked in, he, he knew instantly right. that he had. Oh no! I, so yeah, he's got that connection. Oh yeah! No, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm just saying that as a side point that I think that he's still yeah, going yeah. to be a player because oh, I right. think even from right, prison right, right. he's going to have because it, with his ability to hypnotize, you know that like the prison, you know, or the 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 the, the orderlies or I was going to say prison guards, but it's not a prison. The orderlies or whatever, he is probably manipulating them and making them his servants 
months and soon he will be running Arkham or something similar and be causing more trouble so yeah I don't think that uh, I don't think that we've seen the last of him I mean what will be interesting is if they decide to let all these sort of side plots that have been simmering in the background come out all at the same time so like Fish and Tetch and, you know, any other characters they just want to throw into it all in the middle of Riddler and Penguin's gang war. You know, just sort of come out and each have their own agendas and just stir things up some more, so... Oh, it's going to be beautiful. Right. It's going to be a beautiful, chaotic Gotham mess. I mean, it's that's, just... That season three finale right there is his exactly. breakout once again. Exactly. Like, I, I just, you know, even though Tetch isn't directly responsible... Oh, he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think it was part of his plan as to what's going on with Gordon now. But yet, it, it, you know, he's the cause of what's going on. And he's still managing to mess up Gordon's life. So I, I'm sure we'll get to see some scene where he's just absolutely ecstatic about that oh yeah because i mean the whole reason he injected the fiance was to force jim into that same situation of either let the fiance go crazy and kill the woman he loves or he would have to kill the fiance and thus ruin his own relationship with the woman he loves so either way it screwed him so yeah we'll yep so he's 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 won actually in this round. Yeah. So right, and now Falcone is going to want to kill Jim too. So that's be- <laughs> I mean, with, I mean, when Jim walked into Falcone's office and like, "Where's your son?" And he finally told him. In the last words, Falcone said. Make sure you don't kill him. Right. I knew he was going to kill him. I knew. Well, everybody and knew he was going to kill him. <laughs> they acted like those two men that Jim shot in the leg were like Falcone's only men. Like seriously, dude, you can't like send a few <laughs> no, right? and be like, okay, I'll let you go, but you have to take my men with you, and they'll help you overpower him, or so you know something along those lines. Instead of no, you can't go. You know, <laughs> say like these guys will be helpers. <laughs> but uh yeah yeah no that seemed a little odd but uh oh there is one other character i wanted to bring up even though he hasn't been in this season because i wanted to know how you guys felt i'm i'm gonna say my own opinion on this one how did you guys feel about mr freeze last season i thought that story was done really well i you know it was short it was short-lived. At least his origin story was pretty short. But, you know, they did what I thought was uh, needed. And they we they established the relationship between him and his wife uh, so that we really cared. And when, you know, uh, the events happened the way they did, uh, you felt for him. You felt for her. You felt for that whole situation enough that so when he, you know, gets revived later on and Strange kind of does uh, his thing with him so that makes him really, you know, uh, Mr. Freeze as we know him that was it was pretty well done i and i like the suit the suit is a cross between you know the 60s and the movie and all like this sort of this weird hodgepodge of dark uh mr freeze suits and and he was always formidable as a bad guy uh when they went up against him so i and and you know what that's an instance where i kind of want to make this point too for all the like it seems like out of all the superhero shows that are on TV right now. There's a lot of them. But out of all of them, I think Gotham is the best produced in terms of they've got the most money. I think their 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 direction, their editing, their shooting, their backgrounds, their special effects are by uh, by far the best out of any of them. And you could tell because we've had freeze-based characters, whether it's Captain Cold or frost on 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 uh, the cw shows and the effects that they had for freeze were way better than anything that the cw shows did and and in even i think they had a freeze villain or 
uh, hero or something in in Agents of Shield, and that I noticed that effect wasn't as good. So, I mean, if you're comparing like budgets and production values and all that, I think I think Gotham is the real winner when it comes to all that stuff. Yeah, it's certainly a little more polished. Yes, yes, and it's got a you know it's got its own own vibe it's got its own style you know mm-hmm. the, i like the fact that you know it, it doesn't take place quite in modern times but it doesn't take place like in the i mean everybody oh. drives cars from the 70s but they've got like flip phones yes. and you know it's just this sort of hodgepodge of all these like little weird things but yet gotham makes it work i mean you know uh you got one character that's you know that a couple characters that are dressing like uh they're in the rockabilly 50s and it doesn't matter because there's other it's just it's 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 crazy the styles that they like put together on this show but somehow they get it to work yeah no that's something that i i didn't bring up but i do love about the show also is the sort of timeless quality to it i mean heck they were yeah. looking at stuff on an overhead projector and <laughs> for, for you kids at home who uh may not have ever seen an overhead projector uh what that is is that something that it takes a transparent you know a paper with writing on it uh that you put on a flat surface and it uses light and mirrors to project it on a screen or wall <laughs> so you can see it large this is in the days before we had computers um so i love the fact that they've got an over uh they've got the projector right mm. for technology and they've got flip phones and yet when they need a dna test it's like csi like fast right. they, get that, like, right. they get like dna results like in an hour and i'm like wow that's it's just sort of like whatever but it works yeah i think barry messed up the timeline so much we have <laughs> True. That's how Jerome's alive. Yeah. Blame Flashpoint. <laughs> Flashpoint. <laughs> oh my god. That's how we're tied in. <laughs> it was all a ruse. So, so Mike Nelson, how do you feel about Mr. Freeze? They did the I I've always I th- I'm not even sure if I even put it on paper, but I remember when The Dark Knight after it came out, uh The Dark Knight the movie, it's I, I started pinning this idea of a Batman movie that could be the third one that I think would actually be way better than what we got. Uh, and I was going to introduce uh, Mr. Freeze. And the one thing I wanted Mr. Freeze to be was believable. Mm-hmm. And Gotham made me believe. And through the science, through the heart that each, that Nora and Freeze have for each other, even th- even the weirdness that uh, Doctor Strange or that Hugo Strange brought brought into the mix, it was all believable. And for that, I can I eternally thank the writers for that. That was it, it worked for me. It's funny that you say that because actually, and this has been recorded on an episode of Sean Castic. But my idea for a third Nolan Batman movie also involved Mister Freeze as the villain. See, <laughs> it would have worked because in my mind, Mister Freeze and the way that he and the way that everything had been taken from him would sort of mirror where Bruce was at the end of the Dark Knight where the city was against him, you know, his the love of his life had died and everything else. And I felt that you could sort of mirror where they both were at that stage in their lives, but then show how they, you know, sort of differ in, you know, how they handle it, you know, uh, and, and make that the sort of thematic, you know, uh, underpinning of the movie. We would have written such a great movie. Yes, yeah, and I completely agree with you on that, and I (laughs) was really sad that they went with the weird 
thing that they did with Bane that kind of wasn't Bane because he didn't use Venom and Talia that didn't really wasn't really a version of Talia that I care about. So <laughs> I love Tom Hardy. I think Tom did a good job, but yeah, I mean, and you know, Catwoman, you know, was was fine, but you know, anyway, <laughs> it wasn't my idea. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but Freeze was uh, Freeze was very believable for, yeah. for Gotham, and so I really. I really appreciate that, and I really want to see him come back. I don't know how, but I really want him to. So here's my thoughts on Mr. Freeze. Just as a little background, my 99% of my DC knowledge comes from the Paul Dini animated shows, Batman, Superman, Batman Beyond, Justice League, all of that. Um, Hell but, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I watched all of their shows and watched them a lot. Um, and one of my favorite episode of Batman the Animated Series is Heart of Ice, which mm-hmm. is the episode that introduced uh, Mr. Freeze in the animated show. I felt that what they did where Nora was dead rather than having her be the thing because I feel like this freeze has no purpose and I I feel like it's important to have Nora be alive but unattainable for Mr. Freeze to have the sympathy that you need to have for him as well as for him to have a reason for doing the things that he does and I felt like he just so the reason I'm bringing this up is Mr. Freeze is the one thing that Gotham has done that I feel really strongly against I also didn't like that his (laughs) head was open in the suit because Uh like Jim Mm. shoots at him and he's shooting at the chest and I'm like his face is exposed (laughs) shoot the head I get that it's a harder shot but at least then you can hit him you know military train get a headshot dang it (laughs) so I mean I had a problem but that's a superficial thing I did think that was kind of ridiculous because of the protection angle but either way I felt like once he just became Strange's lackey he lacked like any real anything interesting and it really disappointed me because of how much I love Mr. Freeze as an idea and when executed well I mean there were tears when I first saw Heart of Ice you know uh, it was it was so moving and it was one of the things that kind of brought me back into watching cartoons because I was almost at the point where I stopped watching cartoons and I started watching Batman the Animated Series and I was like I did not know that you could do something that emotionally powerful in a cartoon and uh, so to me, uh, Mr. Freeze will always be a favorite when he's not played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. That, that Brother I episode still scares me. Still scares me to this day. Yeah, but uh, so anyway, yeah, that's that's why I just wanted to. I just wanted to see what your guys' thoughts were on Freeze. I, I just didn't feel that he worked as well as he could have by having Nora basically shatter into a million pieces. That. <laughs> You can put her back together. Right, yeah, glue. you super glue her and then thaw her out. You strange as uh, <laughs> process to bring her back. Yeah. You know what? Look at God. Like, hey, it's Gotham. I wouldn't have passed, like, you know, all of a sudden it'd be revealed that there's, like, you know, that he's put all the pieces together. <laughs> he's missing He's missing one, her heart, you know, or something, you know? <laughs> oh, God. Now that you say it, I can see it. <laughs> Yeah. So I got a I got a question for you now that we've kind of gone over the roster right. and there's a few of course we haven't mentioned yet but I'm wondering if there's any Batman character or villain that hasn't been on Gotham yet that you're like oh I'd like to see their take on it well Man Bat oh well they, yeah. we kind of have haven't we did we 
Yeah, because in the in the Rise of the Monsters, uh, the Monster Man oh. or whatever, at the beginning, there's that thing flying around. Oh, That's Man right, Bat, right? right? That's yeah. right. No, you're That's right. right. You're right. Yeah, and I mean they've done like Scarecrow and Clayface. I didn't really bring yeah. them up because they were such small characters. You know how they well used Scarecrow Junior. Right? right. So yeah. right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are leaving some characters to be around Bruce's age. Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Um, although that was a really interesting one, how they did it, the Scarecrow one. I, I did appreciate that, and about the dad, the father's whole, like, the reason why he was so interested in fear and how to remove fear and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I guess for me, the other character that, uh, again, being primarily informed on DC by the, the Paul Dini, you know, animated stuff. Sure. But, I, I mean, I don't know how they would do this on Gotham, is uh, Rachel Ghoul. He's like the big one, right? right? That that is missing. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, they could easily tie him in with the Court of Owls somehow, as he's had dealings sure. with them yeah. or something, and and that would be kind of amazing. I think to have Rachel. I kind of feel like it would be a, a in some ways though it might not happen because for for and no other reason the fact that Arrow's kind of done that. Yeah. So Arrow's already used the League of Assassins has already used Rachel Ghoul, so it's kind of like well maybe that's not on the table. We haven't quite yet had any. Have we had any overlap whatsoever? Well, Dollmaker was in both shows. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. We have. I knew that there was a at least one. I thought there was maybe another one too. But yes, sir, you're right. There has been an overlap. So. Yeah, that's just why you have to. Say a doll mocker when talking about the Gotham version because they made very clear <laughs> this is not doll maker because that was an arrow it's doll mocker <laughs> and I think the only reason they enunciated it so clearly was to say it's not the same thing as arrow <laughs> even though it was clearly you know a riff on the same idea so but uh, so so Mike Gordon what is your uh, character that you'd like to say well that's a good question I I sort of lean towards they mentioned Tom Tommy, I think a couple times. I don't. Did we see him though? Who ends up being Hush? Yeah, I've, I've heard um, other people. Yeah, they've talked about Hush. Yeah, and and I thought, well, maybe they could do something uh, with that. And uh, I also, I kind of like speaking of the animated series. Uh, my favorite, probably Batman movie ever, is Mask of the Phantasm. Mm. And bringing in maybe uh, the Beaumonts or Andrea Beaumont or something as a young, like maybe like Bruce has to make a choice between Selena and this girl that actually is somebody that Alfred likes, Mm. you know, kind of making him uh, sort of, you know, wonder about whether I should take like, you know, uh, Betty or Veronica kind of thing. So, you know, playing around with that a little bit, but I don't know what the um, legalities are of that. I don't know because none of those characters from Massive Phantasm or I don't think in in any of the comics. So it's kind of like, I don't know if because they were just on the animated series, if they are not characters that Gotham can use or I don't know how all that works. But in any case, I, I sort of, I sort of because that that also ties in with Bruce's early days as well, and I thought maybe they could play around with that a little bit. Yeah, no, that's a good one. I hadn't even thought of that because uh, I knew that those weren't actual comic characters, so I kind of just right. kind of excluded them from even thinking about it. I, I think just because it's my favorite Batman movie, I'm kind of like leaning towards that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they because they really I, I hate I get it that they want to introduce like as many of these villains as they can, but again, I sort of like you know with Joker and some others, I'm like just say until like i mean i know that's not the point of your show 
But I'm like, I would appreciate if the, you just didn't like, like, I, like I'm glad that they kind of did what they did with Scarecrow, but they kind of made it out to be like, he's going to come much later. Mm-hmm. Like we've, we've, we've told that story and that character will come much later. And I, I kind of don't mind them doing that kind of thing, maybe with a couple of others, but I would like to see maybe uh, Victor's as maybe kind of go off the reservation a little bit more too. That might be kind of, <laughs> yeah, because he's been really restrained the last couple of seasons. Yeah. He's, one character that they actually dialed back a little uh, from how he was <laughs> yes. in the first season because he was another one yeah. that was at 15 with fish <laughs> in the first season. Yeah, when- no, absolutely. And and I kind of thought that, yes, and, and I was surprised when we saw him in the, the last episode of the season uh, before the mid-season finale. Mm-hmm. We saw him there and I'm like, oh yeah, Victor's still around. Come on, man. Like, where have you been? <laughs> and so I'm hoping that maybe he... At some point, maybe out of this whole Penguin Riddler war, he just decided to, decided to go. You know what? F these guys. I'm just going to do my own right. thing. Yeah, I mean, I think they have enough characters introduced that there's no <laughs> there's no need to introduce a bunch more and just develop the right. ones that they've got for now. And yeah, like you know, like you said, like kind of hold off on introducing some characters. You know, kind of spread things out a little bit. But uh, we'll see, Mike. It- Mike, are there any that you can think of that you were like, oh, I wouldn't mind seeing their take on it? Brother I. Ooh. As, again, Gotham turns dials up to 15, why the hell not? Uh, I, You know, as soon as they get uh, the uh, main guy that works for Wayne Companies, Lucius Fox, out of the GCPD, <laughs> like, like, oh. what's the, like, like, that makes no sense. You know what? I'm just going to work for the GCPD for a little while and, and just, you know, just hang around. I'm like, what is this guy doing? Well, like, I think it's that they um, like the actor, but they don't have yes, a place I, for yeah, him in the story uh, right now, so they just put him there. Uh, obviously, but it, yeah, it's one of those things that like, Makes no sense, but there he is. Okay, right, fine. Just go with it. It's like, I need um, Vicious Fox and I need friends, and my friends are here, so I'm going to go here. <laughs> but if, uh, if Fox could be developed a little bit more, that might be a way to get him out of the GCPD and actually have him do something cool and maybe develop the, uh, the Brother I would be really cool. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, no, that would be really cool. Um, so anything else that you guys wanted to talk about that we haven't talked about, uh, whether something that's happened in the show or something that you are looking forward to? Uh, Mike Nelson, we'll start with you. I, I honestly feel we hit we hit everything that I definitely wanted to hit. I, I'm definitely waiting to see how the outcome of Gordon shoots. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, I can't. Like, I knew it was coming, but j- it just happened so fast. The knife is gone. Like, God damn it, gravity! <laughs> <laughs> like, just like, and, and, like, Lee, bang, drop. Like, come on, dang! And oh man, and her look, the look on her face was just priceless. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, this isn't gonna go well. I and love then, it that it's not just like bang. It's bang, 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 bang. bang. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm murdering you. <laughs> well, he knows he's got the touch blood, and that they, you know, are kind of uh, a little crazed and can fight through a little bit. So he's just making sure. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, no, I get it. You know, I mean, there's a lot of bent up anger there. So <laughs> right. I get. It. You know, yeah. maybe one bullet won't stop him, but ten. You know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna empty my clip. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. <laughs> he's still moving. He's twitching. <laughs> Uh, I think for the second half of the season, I'm looking forward to 
how Butch, Tabitha, and Barbara handle everything. Though that's they're the that's the storyline I'm wanting to put some focus on, mm-hmm. and, which will of course tie in with the Riddler and Penguin War that's going to come about. But like, I'm rooting for those three. Those, they're the underdogs. I'm rooting for them. All right. Yep. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting fight <laughs> for the heart of the city. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for the heart yes for the for the heart of the penguin that's all that too um so mike gordon uh is there anything that you wanted to talk about or anything either uh, in the past of the show or coming up that uh you want to talk about i just hope they keep you know doing what they're doing i mean they're having a lot of fun i'm having a lot of fun watching it you know just don't like pay attention to the people who are like oh no it really has to be like this because this is like you know this is what batman should be and this is how Bruce is supposed to get here, and and this is supposed to be, you know, just don't pay attention. Even when I'm saying, like, don't do Jerome as the Joker, don't listen to me. Just do what you're doing and keep chopping off hands and... And having uh, Bruce kill people, murder people with uh, an ocean view, like I, like that seems to be like his thing now. Like, oh, you're looking at the ocean, bang, 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 bang. You know, uh, just keep doing stuff like that because it's it's just fun. And I just I you know I it's so many times I watch Gotham and more than any other show that I watch now and maybe in a long time. I just sort of I just sort of put my hand on my brow and I go, wow, I can't believe I just saw that. That's <laughs> that's I, I just i can't believe they did that that they they just i mean they're not doing like groundbreaking storytelling here but they're obviously having a lot of fun and they're keeping it interesting and but just keep whatever you do just keep robin lord taylor at the forefront because as mm-hmm. long as he's got uh something to do you've got me mm-hmm. um he's 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 great so whatever you you're paying him pay him double right <laughs> <Because> <laughs> he, like you can't pay him enough uh, because without him, I'm not saying the show falls apart, but he really is, is like I said, the MVP. Yeah, you know, you're talking about just keep on chopping off hands, and now I'm just imagining everybody in Gotham missing a hand. <laughs> <laughs> like some sort of, like, deranged, like, uh, Star Wars fetish thing going on. <laughs> All the main characters have oh, to and I really want to see. Oh, and I really want to see, in the second se- in the second half, please bring back strange in a major way i don't want to just see like oh here i am i want i want him to be a factor in the second half yeah i really hope there is a plan uh for fish and strange um i would like to see that actually like come in and feel like it was you know something that was always meant to happen um kind of thing but then again just doing random stuff the show has done successful enough so i really do have to check a lot of my uh normal proclivities at the door with this show because i'm usually the one who's all about plot 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 everything's gonna make sense everything's gonna meet up at the end and gotham has done so well just like being like no we're just gonna do whatever feels right this week (laughs) so (laughs) so yeah i mean i'm looking forward forward to uh the gang war like mike was talking about you know i'm looking forward to how they tie that in with what's going on with gordon i mean everything really is at a point where it can all come together because there's going to be the gang war falcone's still in town the court of owls is doing a lot of stuff and they're not going to want the the cities to be complete chaos which is going to tie in then with what's going on with bruce and selena's mother oh, yeah, and so that's right that's the one thing yeah. you didn't mention <laughs> From the, the, the Selena's yeah. mother. 
Yeah, and and finding out what that thing is that the Court of Owls is afraid of, which we don't mm-hmm. know what that is uh, that's in the vault there. So, so yeah, I mean, yeah, Selena's mother's coming into it. So I, I, I feel like this could be uh, the best season uh, that they've done so far uh, if they play this right. And that's what's scary is it has not yet been renewed yet. Right. So we don't know if we're going to get a fourth season. So, you know fingers crossed they keep doing what they're doing and and i know the ratings have dipped every season so hopefully there's still enough there that fox will will renew them for next year yeah um but i wouldn't say that at this point in december that that's too worrying of a sign because i mean it's usually february when you start getting a lot of announcements of what show's been renewed and in february through april you know is kind of like the period where you get those announcements so it's not i don't think it's a i don't think it's a a coincidence or even serendipitous i you know i think there's a purpose for jerome coming back when it comes back like i think like they're like hey joker every Everybody, like, please tune in. Give us a little bump. Well, that could well be. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I- I'm now totally invested in this show after having been on the fence and giving it up at the end of the first season and was just like, oh, I'll just watch a few episodes of season two and see what I think. And uh, I- I've been with it ever since. So uh, hopefully the that they- they're able to uh, make their case to Fox, even if they end up putting them at a later time slot. It was very difficult to go against preconceived notions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was really tough for me as well. I mean, I get it. I get it why a lot of people bailed after that first season because it was unlike anything <laughs> anybody we we didn't we didn't this is not the show we well wanted. i mean i'm I, I still think though that that first season there was some bad writing also and oh sure some of the sure. scenes and interplay was really bad <laughs> but uh i mean some of the stuff like with barbara and selena just was kind of cringeworthy and then Barbara well actually Barbara in general was cringeworthy so I'm not even gonna (sighs) (laughs) and unfortunately they burned two great characters that I wish were still around which was Montoya and um, uh, Augustus right what's his name what's her partner's name yeah I I know Uh, who you're talking about but I don't know his name but but yeah they they, they seem to have a point in the beginning and then they were just like we don't know what we're doing with them and we're just go away they're gone (laughs) Yeah. But who knows? I mean, they could bring them back. I mean, there's no reason they couldn't, so we'll see. But, um... Okay, so yeah, I mean, if there's nothing else that anyone wanted to talk about, uh, that is a wrap for our retrospective of Gotham Season 3. It went a little longer than I thought it would, but that's fine, because we talked about a lot of stuff. I mean, we covered, I mean, we had two and a half seasons of stuff that we kind of covered, you know, here, so, uh, you know, there was a lot to talk about and uh, discuss, so I think, uh, you know, it was all time well spent, and uh, thank you guys for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I, I really enjoyed myself. Same here. Thank you a lot. All right. So uh, let's say goodbye and uh, let people know where they can find you. Uh, well, again, I appreciate it. It's my pleasure to be here. Um, uh, people can find me on uh, ESO. If they go to the ESOpodcast.com or ESONetwork.com site, they can they can check out uh, the other two podcasts that I'm on mainly. And then, of course, I do uh, guest appearances and a lot of other shows as well. And uh 
Also, if they want to find out about my personal work or the uh, work the, that I do as far as uh, the comic book work and all that stuff, is uh, they can just go to newlegendmike.com and uh, check out my books. All right, great. And Mike Nelson? Uh, it was awesome to be doing a podcast. I haven't done these actually in quite some time. Took a little break. But you can find me over on the Twitter at This Is Trex or over on my website at trexlight.com, which shows basically all the work that I do over there. All right, and as always, I am your host, Nathan. You can find me on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash 42cast. You can find me on the Twitter at at 42cast, one word, or www.42cast.com. Again, 42cast is just one word. You can also find me at my blog, which is blogger underscore who.livejournal.com, or you can find the reviews that I've submitted to the Earth Station One website, which is at esopodcast.com. And while you're at any of those locations, please leave us some feedback. We definitely want to know if what we're doing is what you want us to be doing, what do you like, what don't you like, anything that you can tell us will only help us to improve Uh, so you can do that at any of the locations that i mentioned before or of course you can email us at everything at 42cast.com or you can leave feedback for us at either itunes or stitcher radio and so that is a wrap for this week of uh, the 42 cast Uh, join us back next week when michael keaton will not be joining us as we talk about the tim burton batman movies so until then this is nathan signing off You've been listening to the 42Cast, copyright 2017. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42Cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. Incidental music is provided with permission by Fur DK. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.